and welcome to another edition of the Firmware Update, episode 224. This is our Game of the Year episode, folks, and joining me, as <laughs> always, is Joe Garcia. The one and only. Joe, I, I typically start off pretty much every show by asking you, how are you doing? But <laughs> as this year begins, and also going from the momentum, for lack of a better term, of 2020, I feel like it's... Actually, a general concern. How are you doing, Joe? <laughs> well, I'm still alive. There's that. Um, that part's all right. Um, yep. The not-so-great part, I guess, is that uh, I finally got a call from my job, and uh, after 10 months of furlough, uh, my position has been eliminated. So that's uh, oh. that's where I'm at. God damn, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, happy birthday to me <laughs> this week. Wait, wait. Uh, did they gave you this on your birthday? Uh, two days before my birthday, uh, they had that much foresight, I guess. <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah, that's how I spent my weekend. Goddamn, that's right up there <laughs> when uh, you break, I fix fired me the day after Christmas. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we were just a bit, literally just about to start uh, the post Christmas dinner with uh, Sandra's mom, and I get a phone call. And he's like, hey, this is a little difficult, but i got to let you go. This is, what? <laughs> <laughs> that didn't sound difficult at all. No, it wasn't difficult at all. I mean, <laughs> son of a bitch. But anyway, I'm sorry, Assholes. man. Who needs him? <laughs> you going to be okay, man? Oh, yeah. I mean, for the for the near future, uh, yeah, because I've been collecting unemployment the entire time anyway. Um, and the current unemployment uh, runs through March. Uh, so... Uh, or the end of March, so I've still got at least two and a half months uh, to get something sorted. Uh, it's not going to be great being without health insurance, so uh, at least I had that still going <laughs> mm. uh, while I was on furlough. Uh, but uh, come February, I'll be <laughs> I'll be one of the millions of people without health insurance in the middle of a global pandemic, so that's going to be fun. Well, thankfully you got that $600. That'll carry you for a little bit. <laughs> oh, Yeah. I do get three weeks severance pay. At least there's that. Oh, okay, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I know. If I'd been there one more year, it would have been four years or four weeks severance. Well, hey, on the bright side of thing, you have more time for the video games. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, baby. <laughs> A lot more talking on video games on this show. <laughs> we get to think about what's important. Indeed, you know, one of us has to bring something other than Destiny Two, so I'm happy <laughs> to. <laughs> But, you know, seriously, that sucks, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's all right. I'll be all right. All right. All right. Well, today is going to be our Game of the Year, year episode, folks. And as you probably have figured out, it's going to be a little different this time of year. Uh, as we've sort of eased the show into like a more leisurely, more fun uh, thing for us, something that led to the big, long break we had previously was it actually came upon our Game of the Year show. and <laughs> I think it a lot of it was uh, just us being kind of intimidating by it because it's like I think it was like at a point where it was like eight or ten hours if you combine the uh, Cinderella <laughs> tournament and the and the two shows. Yeah. And uh, I think it got to a point where we were like, I don't want to do that. And before you know it, a year <laughs> passed. <laughs> yeah. So we're gonna take a more easy uh, approach to it uh, me and joe wrote down five games as well as a uh, list of honorable mentions which we'll get to after the number two spot does that sound about all right for you bud uh yeah 
Yeah. And uh, we'll uh, be discussing our top five games each of this year. So you're going to get my opinion on it. You're going to get Joe's opinion without the me threatening to strangle Joe for eliminating <laughs> a, a Souls game and without Travis Foster unceremoniously voting out a good game and because of retroness. So... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that goddamn Pokemon cave, I tell you what. But anyway. <laughs> he wasn't wrong. Yeah, he, yeah, he's always wrong. But anyway. <laughs> so, folks, uh, I hope you enjoy this. Let us Give us any feedback. Once again, mailbag at thefirmup.com. And if you have any ideas on how to go about this. But essentially, we're trying to make this an easiness into the next year as opposed to a landslide of work as we talk about <laughs> Why yeah. Avengers deserves to move a spot ahead of uh, freaking Premonition or whatever the game was called. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, any, anyway, without further ado, Joe, why don't you kick us off here? So, uh, at number five for me, um, and it's kind of weird that we're, g- I guess we're gonna have, we're not gonna have a, a a unanimous game of the year winner like we've done before, but whatever, it is what it is. Yeah. Yeah, but number five is uh, Ghost of Tsushima. Yeah, and that was also my number two. So that was like my runner-up for this year as well. So we're just going to combine them on here just to ease <laughs> yeah. here. We'll combine the discussion. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, man, Ghost of Tsushima was pretty much everything that I'd hoped it would be uh, when they first announced it. Uh, I remember uh, all those years back when they did, and like it just floored, like knocked everyone's socks off that the studio behind Sly Cooper and Infamous could... Uh, turn around and put something this ambitious out and we're hoping that they would actually hit their mark and man did they ever one of the most beautiful games of its generation i think for sure the environments landscapes the character models all of it like sushima itself like the island of sushima is arguably the star of the game you know like for as much as Jin was obviously the main character but like you know just galloping around on your horse uh like i was just constantly pausing the game and going into the photo mode and taking Screenshot after screenshot after screenshot. I think I ended up with like a folder of 400 images on my PS4. Oh, goddamn. <laughs> uh, by the time I was done with the game. Uh, like, it was just incredible. Like, I'm pretty sure, like, the actual island of Tsushima doesn't have such diverse uh, biomes or whatever and environments. Like, <laughs> like slow, snow-capped mountains over here and then, like, dense forests over there. Like, they're, like they're, I'm sure they've taken some liberties to make the environments more diverse for the sake of the game. But, man, just incredible what the game ended up looking like and on top of that like the story ended up uh being great as well mm. uh especially i'll probably i'll probably say that i think i liked the the side characters a little bit more than i liked Jin. like as much as i like Jin, but like the the story of uh, of, of the grandmother uh of your archery uh teacher like like the monk all of them were like so fascinating <laughs> and uh like i really wanted to see those stories through what what do you think of those characters, Malcolm? So, I I definitely agree with you uh, on the uh, characters. It kind of reminded me of like a really good side mission in Yakuza. Yeah. Especially with like the archery and the uh, matriarch of uh, the cl- of uh, that uh, clan that was uh, like pretty much wiped out. Yeah. Uh, like every little like I made it a point to like go to every single mission just because I wanted to see. One, I wanted to see where the story went with them because the characters were really engaging, and two, I honestly wanted to help them. Yeah, so, sort of like becoming one with Jin and the Ghost of Tsushima. I want to help uh, my compatriots out as they helped me, and uh, just some of them, 
a lot of the stories were really good, like the archery teacher and the whole thing you go through with this uh, one rogue student of his. Like you can <laughs> genuinely see the regret on how he went about things, and also how he may be responsible for. <laughs> for yeah, this a little bit, <laughs> just a little bit, and uh, the the matriarch uh, who is like pretty much on this quest to revenge, where like you can see where she's got sort of losing herself then in it but at the same time can you really blame her her whole family was one down <laughs> in front of her walking like, oh, christ like oh and uh yeah it's just like i said like it reminds me of a really good yakuza side mission and the people who have played the yakuza games will understand what i'm saying by that just like you meet these characters it could be just for in those games it could be just for a moment but their whole story and what they're going through is like so engaging that you honestly want to take a time out for the main story to help them, even <laughs> if it's stupid, like eating all the food in a in a block area or helping um helping their restaurant. It's usually a restaurant, isn't it? But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> helping them out and engaging those uh, friendships and relationships in the game. And uh, yeah, I-, I wanted to help them. I. Wanted to help the nice thief who helped me in the beginning find her brother. And uh, it was just, it's super fun. I, yeah. I, I thought it was a really engaging story. And uh, my wife's Sandra, is actually playing the game now. And she's coming back and telling me about these stories, even, even though I played them. But it's uh, <laughs> like t- giving me her perspective, which, you know, a lot of times she has like a really, really interesting one. So, yep, the stories especially those characters and the whole whole stories behind them i found really engaging yeah uh, and uh i guess i apologize for not remembering the characters names offhand uh but uh yeah lady masako her story with her grand with her with her family being wiped out i will i would have to apologize too she was the (laughs) (laughs) when i threw it to you i was hoping you remember the names uh, but yeah, her story with her family being wiped out was, I thought, great. Like, I really wanted justice for her. Uh, Shimura is the, is the archer teacher. Or no, Shimura is your uncle. Sorry. Um, mm. Ishikawa <laughs> is the arch- archery teacher. Mm. Uh, and, and Tomoe is his rogue student. Like, that stuff was just really awesome. Um, and, and Yuna is the, is the woman who, who helps you at the beginning. I mean, she's part of the main story overall. Uh, but the way that she kind of influences uh, Jin uh, over the course of the story before, you know, as as he's brought up as a noble samurai or whatever, uh, like he's taught to, to handle the problems head on, like to, to, to attack someone when they're not looking is cowardly. Hmm. But then like, you know, it's like, well, no, do you want to survive or not? Because, <laughs> 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 you know, over the course of the game, you're wiping out entire like encampments and whatnot. And there's just... <laughs> no realistic way that anybody could do that uh, head on by themselves, especially as you're trying to reclaim the island uh, from Koten Khan. You know, like, it's 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 cool to see the way the story and the way, you know, Jin kind of evolves and kind of blends together both what, what Yuna and his uncle have taught him to to become the, the titular ghost of Tsushima. Uh, and and the combat options are, are great. Like, I had a lot of fun uh, both doing the head on you know, come at me, coward, <laughs> you know, standoff stuff. And, uh, you know, kind of sneaking around the camp and wiping it out without anybody even knowing I was ever there. Yeah. I, I tended to refer to, uh, at least with Sandra, with the uh, 
what what are the what are the standoff option i believe <laughs> as the ah oh, shit i fucked up option like <laughs> when you're trying to be stealthy and you yeah. hear one of them like hey you're like oh and thankfully uh the game knows this and they're like hey do you want to press up <laughs> <laughs> let me tell you something like uh the first thing, one of the first things I uh, leveled up in the out of the skill tree was the chain to the standoff yes, option. Jesus! Oh my, <laughs> such such greatness! Like, like if you get it all the way up to level three, and yes, it takes a little bit of work, but if you uh, lev- do it all the way up to level three, you can wipe out entire squads just by walking up to them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like you can wipe out like the smallest camps with just this one standoff. Uh, it's great oh god and to go back to your actually your very first point about the look of this game like i remember that being like the first major takeaway back when we were seeing nothing but trailers for this game just like the image of Jin on that horse chasing like uh, running through the field of flowers or you fighting with uh with uh, an npc and uh all these these sakura leaves are flying by you as you're engaging in this like kill or be killed sword fight. Hey, like it's it's abundantly clear that uh, was it Sucker Punch or yeah uh, Sucker Punch? Like they basically rented every single samurai movie ever made and just <laughs> studied that shit. And <laughs> A ton like, of them are on HBO Max, by the way. Really? Okay. <laughs> yeah, I was looking at their Turner Classics movie, Turner Classic Movies section, uh, and like, there's a ton of samurai movies on there. Oh, I, I gotta check that out. I, I actually got started with that at uh, back when we were trying to watch Wonder Woman. So, all right, cool. <laughs> uh, I see what you did there, HBO Max. Well played. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but and the smart things they did like them making a black and white mode because of course they did yes. and how can you not have a black and white mode oh, if you're in a samurai game although i would leave that for like a, a like a second playthrough because it i mean it's as cool as it looks in uh kurosawa mode uh you know with the black and white and the film grain and in japanese it's like the colors are a really important part of seeing how beautiful the island is so maybe save that mode for a second playthrough of the game if you want but that's what i'm doing yeah like i try like i actually before i went into the full game proper i tried a little bit on both modes and i'm like now nah, i want the color the first time around and like <laughs> <laughs> yeah because granted yeah it's gonna be fun when i uh play kurosawa mode sure but it's like it's it's freaking beautiful joe gosh darn <laughs> yeah, I know. it's it's stunning um i mean the, the one drawback i guess to the kurosawa mode or, or the japanese voiceover in general because he can turn that off with or without the black and white the problem with, with the japanese voiceover unfortunately is that they didn't lip sync yeah uh, the, the japanese to the to, uh to the facial capture like the facial capture is purely for the english voiceover so you get that kind of awkward <laughs> uh like it just it's it's coming off a little awkward like as much as i wanted to play it in japanese i, I ended up switching it back to english hmm yeah, that's I completely agree. Like, uh, typically, like especially, I blame this on the Yakuza games, but uh, <laughs> yes, <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, no, I, I can't do English, and then I'm watching the Japanese, and it's not matching up at all with this. Yeah. Oh, and I'm like, okay, and, and you know, to its credit, the the dub ain't bad. The dub is actually pretty good. I felt. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. So yeah, it's a, so that helps tremendously that they gave 
that they cared. Like, if you want to see a dub where they don't care, uh, PS2 Yakuza 1, go play that. <laughs> yeah. It, it's abundantly clear that the dub director just re- just saw an episode of The Sopranos and they're like, oh, let's just make it like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. That's but, what the Yakuza are, right? Just Japanese Sopranos? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ramen's like spaghetti. It's like the same thing. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and combat is super rewarding like uh it, it's not unlike Sekiro like gee, like good lord the last two years what a what a boom period we've had for samurai games <laughs> between Sekiro Neo in both games now uh with Ghost it's like if, if you had an it like the only thing that would have been like the cherry on the top is if we finally got that Assassin's Creed and uh, feudal Japan but we did get it now. <laughs> There's no need for it. Ubisoft to finally pull the trigger on that. Yeah, it's like, you, you think now would have been the time. Just like, do it. You, you know we've been waiting for that. It's like they, <laughs> they eternally see that little circle on the drawing board and they're like, no, that's too easy. Like, fucking do it. Just make do the layup. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, I guess I'm glad that it ended up being Ghost of Tsushima and not Assassin's Creed. Um, mm. Because... If this was an Assassin's Creed game, the way they are now, this would have been like 150 hours, uh, which is too long for this type of game, I think. Um, a lot more random piles of hay, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, like like the the story stuff was great, but like a lot of the collectible stuff kind of uh, definitely lost its uh, it lost its kind of shine uh, towards the end of it. Like I got pretty tired of chasing foxes <laughs> um, for sure by the end of it. You're on your way to this big quest big quest you've been waiting on and you see either the fox or the bird and yeah sometimes it's at the beginning it's great it's like okay come on just let me go <laughs> no at first for me like i thought it was like magical it's like oh man the island's alive and it's telling me where to go like this is awesome oh. uh but by the time you're chasing your 30th fox you're like god damn <laughs> like, like i'm trying to get vengeance fox jesus i i will say that's like a little chestnut that i do appreciate about appreciate about the game the navigation you know instead of like a big arrow of your character thus reminding you hey this is a motherfucking video game instead it's a fox or a falcon or it's your deceased father's breath (laughs) (laughs) on the wind the wind yeah (laughs) it's guiding you through everything and you can summon the wind by just swiping on the touchpad which is a nice touch i thought and uh, (laughs) And, you know, that that I thought was a mwah, beautiful, well, great <laughs> de- game design there. Yeah. And uh, how, how did you like the fighting in this game, out of curiosity, the combat? Uh, the combat took a lot of getting used to with the switching of the stances. Felt kind of like it, like it's cool that, the, that there are different stances. It's just kind of funny that, like, <laughs> the different enemy types would wait for you to change stance so that you can more easily decimate them <laughs> in <laughs> combat. Um and, you know, at, towards the end, you, you unlock a, a final stance that just kind of lets you just where no one can do anything about you at all, uh, <laughs> <laughs> which is pretty great and satisfying towards the end, but made it even easier. Uh, is it like Goro game. Majima's final stance? <laughs> You're like, oh, God. <laughs> oh, my goodness. But, uh, yeah, the, the battle tactics I thought were really good. Like, I... In the beginning, especially, I went like full samurai for a while, but eventually I started relenting and uh, 
delving into the ninja tools like the smoke bomb is fucking great especially during those occasions you get swarmed <laughs> yeah and you put in that poison it's like oh <laughs> take that mongols <laughs> mongols are fucking assholes goddamn <laughs> they sure are just, they sure are i mean it goes without saying they just sort of went around the world like they owned the place which was their legacy but it's like that beginning instance where the general walks right right up to the uh, general to like issue the challenge and he just like sprinkles him with alcohol and lights a match and <laughs> that tells you everything you need to know about this opponent it's like that scene in indiana jones where the guy's <laughs> like fucking flourishing with the sword and then just indy just pulls out the gun and just shoots him <laughs> Like, yeah, whatever, man. Oh, goodness gracious. Yeah, the guy refused to take you seriously. <laughs> and, and another thing I'll mention, and we were talking about side stories earlier. Uh, it did. This game did what I was looking for in Red, Red Dead Redemption 2 and didn't quite get. Where the side missions are <laughs> like fun the... fun video game? What's oh. that? <laughs> A fun video game? <laughs> where you didn't have to clean your horse for like six hours. No. <laughs> Or accidentally hold up somebody in town. <laughs> oh, man, speaking of accidentally, though, um, this game, like every single open world game to either mount your horse or get into a car, you know, it's triangle. You, It's muscle memory from literally 20 years of video game design. Uh, but here, it's just your heavy slash. <laughs> so for the first, like, 10 hours of this fucking game, I'm just, like, butchering my poor horse by accident trying to fucking mount it. <laughs> oh man oh god but uh the side quests i thought i found were like these little asides that feel like a short story short story samurai story that you would uh read or encounter Mm. where you know you're just going about your business and one day you come across this village and there's this uh other samurai who's talking about how he how he like uh braved the beaches as well and survived and at first you're talking with them because you generally are like, oh, great, another samurai. And then you talk with him, he's like, oh, this guy's full of shit. <laughs> <laughs> and he tries to escape. And then finally you chase after him. He's like, you know what? No, oh, let's go. And and uh, Jin, to his credit, is like, you really don't want to do this, dude. Just give me your sword and just... Uh, just <laughs> and he's like, no, let's do this. Like, all right. And you kill him. And you go back to the village. Like, yeah, you're, you're not going to be seeing this dude anymore. <laughs> Or uh, the lady who was like, uh, oh, the bandits stole my food. And you go oh, after yeah. the... <laughs> and you go after the bandits, wipe them all out, and you come to th- find out that the bandits never did anything to her. She just yeah, wanted... You br- yeah, she's like, uh, you're like, I brought your rice back. She's like, oh, man, I hate rice. It's like, boy, what? I thought you said they stole your food. <laughs> like, no, actually, I figured they had food. <laughs> that you could get it for me. <laughs> like, oh. Okay. Oh yeah, and it's like a, a dark little story there. Like, yeah, it's like it's good. It's great stuff. It like really adds to this world and what they're dealing with. Because you know, like, hey, if you had bandits, of course you'd want to trick a samurai <laughs> to wipe. <them> out. <laughs> yeah. Or like uh, the ghost, uh, the the actual not like Ghost of Shima, but like the well, oh, there's a haunted forest, and you find out it's just a bunch of bandits bandits being pricks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but that's just like the tip of the iceberg I, I feel like we should have done like a 
spoiler warning, but I kind of feel like that's what you sort of walk into with these things. But we've kept yeah. it pretty much surface level with this with the spoilers. Like a lot of the missions we've talked about are stuff like in the beginning of the game. So yeah, yeah. Oh, and and another thing that's that's really really awesome and adds to the cinematic kind of like experience of the game is not ju- is you know not just the available black and white, but like the actual framing the way that they they that they present the the boss fights the one-on-one fights you know when they stand to look at each other from like 20 feet apart uh and they start to pull out their swords it's like oh fuck this is cool (laughs) (laughs) Uh, man just incredible stuff oh and like the little touches uh that they add to it like there was this one i was going up against and it's during a heavy rainstorm and as the life, I guess the sort of, instead of like a life bar, it's like the environment gets worse and worse and uh, yeah. lightning starts striking. It's like, oh, gosh. So the, fucking cool. <laughs> they, they thought of everything. Good lord. <laughs> like, what's the most badass thing that could happen right now? <laughs> and they went ahead and put that in there. <laughs> Damn it, Joe. You're making me want to want to end the podcast to go play it now it's good it's, <laughs> it's a good game it's such a good game too yes <laughs> it's like i can't see the price anymore because i bought i pre-ordered it but it it would have to be on sale now right uh perhaps i could look at it because i bought it on disc but ah there you go there you go yeah like if you're looking for like a samurai a really it's got an in-depth story if you like samurai stuff then it's a total win for you uh, interesting characters, the story and subquest are in such a way that you want to play them, and uh, it you really do feel like uh, becoming the character of Jin. Uh, so, for me, it's like for me, if I was looking at my game of the year objectively, and we'll get into it when we discuss my number one. But if I was looking at things objectively, this would probably be my number one. To be perfectly honest. But it's an incredible game. Even though it didn't place as highly in Joe's list, it's still in the top five. So Yeah. yeah. And it's currently the full $60 right now on PS. <laughs> you know, fuck it. It's worth it. Go buy it. <laughs> if you haven't played it yet, go buy it. It's yeah, fantastic. And, and uh, they released a, a multiplayer expansion for it, uh, Legends, which we haven't actually gotten a chance to dig into but i hear very good things about that as well which i'll apologize to joe for on air here because he's been trying <laughs> to get me to do it but i keep big timing him every so <laughs> <laughs> uh but uh yeah i've heard good things about it as well so and uh, my wife who doesn't play too many games is like thoroughly invested in it so awesome. there you go wife seal approval there uh <laughs> any anything else you wanted to add on this one bud um, no, if I think of anything, I'll, I'll point it out when I get to your number two, I guess, but, but I think I've said my piece. Alrighty. So I guess it would be my turn for my number five and it wouldn't be, be a, uh, episode of the firmware update where Malcolm talked about destiny two now, which, <laughs> so, which brings me to my number five as the big expansion for destiny two beyond light hit. And I enjoyed it. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, granted, uh, I started playing back in the summer, as you guys may remember. Mm. Uh, when essentially, as I found out in researching Destiny Two and how they do things, like each year they do like a big DLC expansion, 
where you buy it and uh, usually you'll get like a new location, new exotics, new quests, new raids, and all that good stuff. And uh, it hit in September. And the fact that it hit in September is kind of a miracle because of the whole pandemic thing that all companies have had to deal with. But uh, I think I mentioned it loosely on the show. Every positive thing that's happened this year has been a miracle, Malcolm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, the developers for uh, Bungie basically released like a video behind the scenes about how they had to go about it. And it was at, like they don't work at the studio anymore. Everyone's been having to f- work at home. And the, just like the amount of stuff that they've had to do at home, like uh, the Foley artists had to find stuff around the house for the sound effects in this game. Like the, oh, the most popular story, like uh, one of the artists had just given birth and had a breast pump and it made like this uh, beeping noise that she recorded and incorporated into the game. Nice. (laughs) So little details like that. And uh, the fact that, granted, this DLC was delayed. It would have been typically out, I believe, over the summer. Mm. But they pushed it back to September, which one of their season activities had to go for even twice as long. Um, Though, at the same time, the fact that it came out, and relatively, it came out pretty... Nicely, like honestly, I was considering not putting this on the list mainly because I'm sure people are sick of me gushing about Destiny (laughs) 2. But then Cyberpunk 2077 came out, and I realized it really is a miracle that it came out as smoothly as it did. Like, granted, (laughs) there's a hiccup here and there that they're really quick to jump in on and fix for the most part, mainly because uh, they took out quite a bit of uh, content. Like they took out two, three planets, a lot of different maps and strikes and in raids, which is unfortunate, but at the same time, it helped them speed up the game. Like the game, especially on PS5, it runs like a dream now. It is super quick to load up all the stuff. Yeah, you, uh, you downloaded the PS5 version, correct? Yes, I did. I was right on there as soon as that, that dropped, so... And, uh, yeah, how how are you enjoying the PS5 uh, edition there? So, I'm enjoying it quite a bit. It's got, like, it's got the updated graphics, HDR, especially in uh, Crucible, which is their PvP arena there, where you can, like, widen out the angle. So, now I see a lot more of the map when I'm out there playing, and uh, it's beautiful. Like, and... Run to 60 frames now, right? Yep. Got the full 60 frames, uh, 120 gigahertz, uh, whatever. And <laughs> full HDR, took out that motion blur because the hell with it. And got it on full performance, and oh, it just runs like a dream. And just everything loads up so fast now. Like, it would take like a minute or two. Like, it would take five minutes to load up to start the game. Now it's just like pretty quick. Like, I can get it done and. I can get into the game in like record time, like it's not a some kind of MMO. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, what they've done with the story is really, really kick-ass. That leaves a lot of potential for future future story bits and pieces. Like the villain from Forsaken comes back, and uh, essentially this the with the lore of Destiny, how each guardian is picked. Essentially, there's like this little sliver of the Traveler, which is the big 
the big uh, white orb that's in the sky. You've probably seen it on promotional bits and from your time uh, playing it. But they basically find a dead body and essentially reanimate it with light. They've got a whole new person out. They've uh, basically are sort of like a newborn there. Like they have no memory of their past life. All they know is that they've been chosen by the traveler to defend humanity. And uh, that happens with essentially the main antagonist from the Forsaken expansion. This dude, this uh, awoken dude named named Aldrin, who's no longer Aldrin, but he's reanimated it's back. And he now goes by the crow. And it's this interesting dynamic because, all right, spoiler for that DLC that came out two years ago now, <laughs> uh, but he essentially kills a pretty major character that was one of the uh, three main leaders of the Vanguard, which is the good guy forces for the Traveler. And he's sort of in this u- unique position where he has no he has no recollection of his past life if, or what he did, but... And he's technically not the same person. It's like a different soul inhabiting the body. However, all the other guardians remember him as this murderer who killed a <laughs> beloved leader. Here, voiced by Nathan Fillion. But <laughs> so, like Nathan Fillion got too expensive, so we got to cut him off. <laughs> probably that's what happened. Uh, but it, it was like a. And so it's, but at the same time, it's not the same guy, just the same face. So it's like created this interesting back and forth in the community where they're going, why some people say, no, fuck him, keep him out of the Guardians. But <laughs> others are saying like, no, it's not the same guy anymore, literally. So it's like a fun aside, but he helps you on the seasonal hunt. They introduce this brand new planet called Europa, which is actually one of the moons of Saturn, if I'm not mistaken. I think uh, so. Yeah, and uh, it's like this big weather planet, and they do a lot of cool things that now that they now have the power to do, where you've got like weather weather uh, changes. Like one minute it'll be like open sky, and you can see clearly, and all of a sudden you'll get hit with this heavy snowstorm, and you you'll be lucky to see five feet ahead of you. And that's when you start using the scopes of your guns a little bit more, because sometimes they have infrared, and you can see more further out from you, and can use that to find enemies. Uh, the enemy and they introduce a brand new uh, ability like uh, typically with the light you had uh, solar void and arc which was essentially electricity fire and what you would imagine to be gravity or darkness but it's not with the void but whatever so they introduce but those are all offered by the traveler and uh, which is like the embodiment of light but now they introduce this new power called darkness run by these pyramid-shaped uh, ships. And uh, the lesson of last year was that in order to really take on the big bads that are coming, you can't just have light. You need to have a balance of darkness as well, sort of like a yin-yang thing. So now you're introduced, now you got your first uh, power from from darkness called stasis, which is essentially ice. And it's super fun. Like... Granted, a little too fun for a lot of PvP people in there as you can freeze your opponents and then shoot them in the head, and that that doesn't get frustrating at all when it happens <laughs> for the 25th time. But <laughs> but it's a it's a fun ability, plus they introduce the now that you can collect things like aspects, which uh, give you bit better powers, like instead of 
instead of the uh, ice being so high, now it gets even bigger and crazier. So it covers up entire doorways and sort of gives you a shield. And plus, you can shoot at the ice and it shatters and the ice shards will go into nearby enemies and opponents and do damage to them as well. So it, it it's pretty interesting, especially how they do it with each class here. And people are already theorizing what the other two darkness abilities are going to come because they've laid out essentially the next two DLCs uh, that are going to come out. Uh, I believe Season of the Witch is one or or uh, something like that. Uh, I'm pro- I, I know I'm not getting it right, but Season of the Witch is the one next year. And then following that is Lightfall, which a lot of people are saying might be the end of Destiny or at least Destiny 2, but we'll see. We'll see. Uh, plus, they introduce a character called Clovis Bray, who you find out was alive decades ago. But he's this evil monster of a man who basically turned his entire family into robots just for the sake of him trying to find a way to gain eternal life. Because he honestly considers him considers himself God's gift to mankind. <laughs> <laughs> And it's like, of course, I need to survive so I can continue being this beacon beacon to mankind. <laughs> and it's like, dude, you're messed up. And his daughters hate him. <laughs> and he literally creates this race of uh, robots called Exos, which have always been like this uh, race that you could pick from um, uh, when you create a character. But we had like no idea where they came from. They're just like, oh, there are these robot people around. That's cool. And this uh, this DLC really does uh, go into the backstory of why Exos are a thing and how fucking messed up it is and what exactly the numbers you see after a lot of their names mean. So this game, it offers a lot. It, it really does. And if you're like me, who is just jumping into this game over the summer and haven't hasn't been playing for years upon years... Uh, then this game, this uh, DLC is like awesome and gives you lots of stuff to do. However, I, I would be remiss remiss to not mention if in that if you have been playing for a long time and a lot of these exotics were that I'm just getting now that you may have gotten like years ago. I can also understand this being kind of a letdown because they don't give you a ton of new weapons. And they just did uh, what they call refer to as sunsetting, which is they basically put a limit on the power of a certain weapon. So if you need to get stronger, you basically need to stop using it and get the new ones or (laughs) get the ones that are not sunsetted. And uh, they didn't release a ton of new weapons to make up for it. We basically got like a new set from Europa and we got a new set from the raid, which I enjoyed. I've actually been playing the Deepstone Crypt raid multiple times now with my new clan. And I uh, had to say goodbye to Krusty Crunchers, unfortunately, because, um, well, no one played. <laughs> me, yeah, me and Sandra wanted to do a raid. We'd get silence. And uh, we met a uh, person who has a rather unfortunate name that I'm unsure that I could mention here. <laughs> but was really good at the game and uh, helped me and Sandra beat the Deepstone Crypt. So I, we asked if we could join his raid or his uh, clan, and we did. And it's called Sausage Twirl, which 
<laughs> if you understand what that means right off the bat, you can take a guess why I can't, why I feel uncomfortable saying his name <laughs> on this podcast. I thought it'd be something like Boner, Boner Lord sixty nine or something. But <laughs> oh no, no, no! But it, it, it's it's a lot of stuff with sausage and whatnot. So, <laughs> and the sad part is he the the founder of the clan is thirty three and is still trying to. It was funny. Because uh, his name was so bad, he even warned us, like, yeah, chances are I'll probably get the name banned. And uh, less than a week later, his we couldn't find him. And <laughs> thankfully, I started a chat with him on the PlayStation app. And his name was changed to Temporary063798, <laughs> which is a name that's given if you don't, if something happens to your name and they just need to put something in there. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. So... Now he goes by uh, Shatter Spike dot Shatter Dive, if something, and which is easier for me to say. But the previous name, not so much. I'll tell you after the show. Uh, <laughs> so there are a lot of active people there. So me and Sandra get do like a weekly run of the raid, and it's great. But getting back to my original point, they took out a lot of stuff and did not put a lot of stuff back in, which is why it's. One of the reasons why it's as low as it is on my top five personally, a lot of that is based, I, I kind of give them a pass on it personally, just because it's a miracle that this game, that this DLC came out, let alone runs as well as it does. And there had to be something that didn't get quite the love that uh, it would typically get elsewhere. And I feel like the weapons are it. And there are Unfortunately, a lot of people that are upset, a lot of big content providers for the games have announced that they're stopped playing the game because there's not, there's not much for them to do. Now, if once again, if you're like me and Sandra, who are still relatively new and are still trying to get their light levels up and haven't gotten all the exotics yet, there's still plenty of stuff to do. However, if you're one of those people who had been playing all this time and was hoping for something new and they got some new stuff, but not as much as you would imagine from a looter shooter style game. I can understand them being upset and Bungie has announced that they, you know, they see this, they've got a long, they've, they have announced that they've got a, a long-term plan and, and are hiring new people for, to be weaponsmiths for their, for the, what they call people who design new guns and whatnot. And long-term, they'll have new pe they'll have a lot more new guns in the future. That being said, right now, it's a little rough. So I, I can understand that aspect there. Full disclosure, I should pro I feel like I should mention that. But at the same time, there's a reason why Destiny has stood the test of time like it has. I've made the joke or it's not so much a, it is a joke but at the same time it's a level of truth whenever you see a new game like this like destiny you know like anthem or a game that won't be mentioned probably past this uh marvel's avengers <laughs> or uh, other looter games or godfall for that matter um there is a reason why they haven't uh i i always make the joke if you think it looks cool wait a year and then buy it because <laughs> like look what happened to anthem like it looks super cool I, I admit that trailer looked badass but it didn't it didn't last a year uh marvel their trailer looked good unless you really didn't like the character models <laughs> uh 
but it's starting to look like it's not going to last a year. Their player drop-off has dropped off considerably. And to give an idea how well Destiny is run, I'm so into Destiny, Joe, that I actually downloaded Destiny 1 again. And there's... Well, one, there's a lot of lore that I missed, and I come to realize that for as long as I had been playing that game, a lot of that lore bits came literally after I left. <laughs> like all, all the DLCs and the new raids. and stuff. Like there were no raids back back when I was playing, just to give an idea. You know, and uh, like, my, like I, I hadn't even hit level 40. And for a lot of people who play Destiny 1, level 40 is like literally the first step. Then you go to light levels going up to 900 or so. So... No, I, I wanted to play that, and it still plays well. And on top of that, there's still people playing this game. Like, I can still get a strike team together as fast, almost as fast as I would on Destiny 2. Like, there's still people who are super loyal to the, to this game, and it's a testament to how well Bungie did it. Am I saying they're perfect? No. They're going <laughs> through a weird time right now. But I, I trust in them to get things better back up and running Sandra is playing it right now as we speak trying to finish a mission so as far as games out there if you're trying to dip your toe into a game like that the uh, mock MMO type of deal then you know you're not it's not a bad idea for destiny at the same time though they're going through weird stuff but anyway that aside I'm enjoying the DLC it's got a raid that I played multiple times because I want the weaponry and is super fun how it's constructed and uh, yeah, I enjoy it. And, like as much of the problems I give it, it's easily the game I played uh, the most so far. So yeah, got to give it props. And props it was given. Indeed, in so <laughs> many words. <laughs> so that was my number five. Joe, what's next on your list? Uh, next on my list is also next on your list, Malcolm. It's, Indeed, uh, combo. <laughs> combo. Uh, Marvel Spider-Man, uh, Miles Morales. What a fun entry this was. Yes, yes it was. Uh, have you finished playing through it, Malcolm? I have not. I, I essentially... <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I have uh, I played uh, I put in a good amount of hours into it. I played it well. I actually bought it after after our last show where Joe talked it up as much as he did. I said F it and I just bit the bullet and uh, got the ultimate edition so I can get the uh, PS5 version of Spider-Man 1. And uh, I got Miles and <laughs> I'm going to laugh cuz like right, I was expecting the black suit right off. Or relatively quickly, but <laughs> so when I saw him essentially in uh, in Parker's hand me downs, especially <laughs> especially the second suit, I was like, "Come on, man! What do we do? <laughs> Just, why oh, you got to do Miles like that, bro? Come on. <laughs> like he gives him because um, I mean, in the, in the first Spider-Man game, like he like Miles is a character, but he doesn't get his powers until the very very end." Uh, and the game ends with him kind of hanging out with Spider-Man, with with Peter, and trying to figure out what to, where where things go next. And this is obviously a continuation of that. So after, like his first costume was just a hoodie with with the, with the Spider-Man logo painted on it and a, and a, a Spider-Man mask. Uh, and then Peter, as a Christmas gift, before he heads off on vacation for Christmas, gives him a present, which is a suit. We're like, oh, awesome, cool. 
Uh, he puts it on. It's basically a fucking Spider-Man pajamas with knee pads and elbow pads on it. And, and, and of course, it's got the high-tech, you know, like heads-up display and shit. But like, basically, it just looks like he said, you know, like he fucking, like he gave his little brother, fucking his hand-me-downs. Like shit, like hits fits loose as hell. <laughs> like just a goofy-looking costume. <laughs> uh, but it's funny. It's a it's a very funny gag. Oh yeah, yeah, and uh, it, it fits in with uh, that story, and <laughs> and uh, I, I gotta I gotta hand it to him. I love the all the uh, jokes about teenage swagger aside. <laughs> <laughs> it, uh, I, I love how they portray Miles in this. Like uh, the very first mission with Rhino is like one of my favorite intro levels ever. I'd have to say it's good. Oh god, just the those two trying to work together to handle Rhino and uh, Miles stepping up and learning something new, I'll just say, in order to save the day. And uh, just how they present the story of what's going on with Miles and why uh, you're playing him right now. And uh, the little bits they explain, like why Peter's not there and why Miles has to do this on his own and... A lot of the stuff that happens in Miles' life that makes this a uh, bit of a headache and a lot of the things that Miles is dealing with right now from the previous game uh, really does a fantastic job of making endearing you to this character and wanting to root for him as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's uh, like I mentioned on the last show, like it, it's it's such a great next step in solidifying him as, you know, like this mainstream like phenomenon, like, you know, between... Uh, this and you know into the spider verse which was such a tr- fucking great great movie that was just critically and commercially like hugely successful i'm glad that the world is really getting a chance to fall in love with miles morales because he's such a great character granted it it's one one of those things where it screams uh this is a video game but i love like the little side stuff like peter leaving the training simulations <laughs> yeah <laughs> For you to use and uh, Miles figuring out ways stuff to use in the game like I wasn't expecting him to have as many gadgets as he does but between like the Spidey clones and uh, on top of the superpowers he has like uh, the Venom Sting and the invisibility and like like I'm just saying uh, Pete has to step up his game in the next sequel I'll say that much <laughs> Yeah, because, you know, like, obviously, Peter is super smart, obviously, uh, to be able to have all the stuff available to help Miles to begin with. But, like, Miles, uh, like, you know, he's got Genki with him, and Genki's smart as hell in his own right. And you eventually do get a proper, you know, suit (laughs) for Miles to wear, uh, but it's a suit of him and Genki's design. So, like, Mm. by the time Peter comes back, he's like, I love the costume, by the way. (laughs) Badass. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Uh, like it's 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 awesome. It's it's awesome to be able to see these characters, you know, kind of pull their own weight. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, like the this what was it the friendly neighborhood app? Uh, what, what was that? What it's called? <laughs> yeah. Uh, like uh, I I found myself checking that just to <laughs> help people uh, help people out. And web slinging is still super fun. Like yes. uh, granted, you talked up like how. Fast travel actually feels like fast travel now with the PS5. <laughs> yeah. But, it, you know, at the end of the day, it's still fun to web sling all the way across town and what have you. Yeah, especially as you as you learn, you know, like the point launch and be able to web zip twice uh, before losing momentum. 
once you get like those abilities, the traversal is just a snap. You're like cutting corners and, and zigzagging between buildings through alleys in all these tight spots and it's like super rewarding to be able to like <laughs> to be able to nail that down and get good at it. <laughs> and the combat is super fun too, especially with all the extra abilities. Like combat is fun and uh, yeah. once again <laughs> once again the music is awesome, especially for fights. <laughs> <laughs> And I'd say that the combat is better than the 2018 game because of those extra abilities. Like, Miles is a more capable Spider-Man in terms of, like, the abilities that he has at his disposal. Uh, you know, like, obviously, he's just the young kid. He's, get, he's just getting his bearings, basically. But once you learn the abilities and get them down pat, like, wow, combat is so much easier here than the, as Peter Parker, where you can't turn invisible. You can't do the Venom shock. Miles is the better Spider-Man. <laughs> just straight up. <laughs> Well, I'm I'm gonna give my my guy Peter the benefit of the doubt. We'll see where he's at the next game. But yeah, as of right now, I can't really argue. It's like the <laughs> combat, at the very least, is better than uh than the original than the original, just because you have more stuff to do and a lot of the same gadgets on top of that. A lot of that is like Peter helping them out, but at the same time, you know, yeah, he's got like pretty much everything and. Uh, once he gets the suit, where like once I, I pretty much binged the uh, game until I got the suit, just because I just disliked the other suits. <laughs> I was like, no, we can't do them like that, man. And eventually, when you start unlocking suits, uh, I settled on one. But then you have that fun montage with Genki, and you got the black suit, and you're like, all right, damn right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and and you said that you binged. Uh, up to that point, but the game isn't super long if you want to just, you know, blow through the main story without doing any of the side stuff. Like, you can knock it out in probably less than 10 hours. Oh, shit. Yeah, like, even even doing all the side stuff, like, I managed to get the Platinum in the game, which requires playing the game in New Game Plus, but even then, that was probably about 20 hours worth of playing. Hmm, okay. So, not a super long game, which isn't, you know, to say that it's a bad thing. I mean, they already... It was never a full price game to begin with, um, even though the base game by itself is fifty bucks. Uh, but you know, like it was never marketed like a full fat sequel. You know, mm. like it's more in line with uh, Uncharted's well, Lost Legacy back in the day. I was about to say that, yeah, <laughs> uh, which you and I got for very cheap. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, we did. <laughs> it's another great showpiece for the PS5 as well. Uh, if you do have the, because it's on PS4 as well. Which, mm. where it still looks really good uh, but on PS5 it's just on a whole different level <laughs> where you know you can switch between a proper like performance mode and the fidelity mode and then eventually they got to a performance mode they patched in the, a third mode uh, about a month ago where it's it's the performance mode the 60 frames but they put in the ray tracing that would typically typically uh, be excluded to, to get those frames down so I don't know how Ooh. the Wizards over at Insomniac managed to pull that off, but it's extremely impressive. It's by far the best way to play that game. The 60 frames with all the fancy ray tracing reflections. I'll have to check that out. Yeah. And the 2018 remaster also has the same uh, performance mode as well that they patched into it. So it's a, it's a good time to, to play Spider-Man is what I'm saying <laughs> on, on your PS5. Indeed, indeed. And yeah. Considering what what else we got this year as far as Marvel video games go, I was really happy that this game continued with being the symbol of excellence that it is. <laughs> and so, yeah, I, 
I, it's definitely worth it. Uh, if you, regardless of whether you get the ultimate edition or you just get miles, uh, this was solid. This is like, uh, definitely one of the most fun one I've had in a while. And, uh, I would definitely uh, give it a big thumbs up here. It wasn't quite, uh, granted it's, a uh, going off a lot of the stuff that the foundation that Spider-Man one laid down, but at the same time, they made sure to, they gave like miles, all new animations, new abilities and attacks. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't feel like just a copy and paste at all. Yeah. Like the way he swings through the city is different. It's like, it's, it's more it's he looks more awkward than peter does because you know he's just barely getting the hang of it whereas you know peter's been doing it for what eight years according to the story yeah yeah (laughs) so like the way he kind of swings it's kind of like sometimes he ends up swinging backwards (laughs) and uh you know things like that (laughs) anything else you wanted to add on this one buddy um no i guess not but man what a what a what a fun ass game i i love it to death it's a great game all right, so I, I couldn't agree more. It's fantastic. All right, Joe. So we did we tag team that one. That was my number four as well. So let's move on. What is your number three? Oh man, my number three uh, was a game that I spoke very highly of, and it's definitely the opposite of Miles Morales. And Miles <laughs> is a very joyous game. Uh, and the Last of Us Part Two is very much not a joyous game at all, uh, despite. What I think of it as an as a, a an excellent achievement in video game design and just execution, uh, but man, what a what a fucking bleak game <laughs> that game is. For as much as I actually enjoyed it, so obviously the sequel to what what year did uh, the first one come out? That was 2013, correct? I I believe so. 2013, 2012, one of those. Yeah, and you know that's obviously a brutal game in its in its own right, and this continues on a little, not too far. After uh, after that wraps up, basically, I mean, the way the first one ends obviously is is, I guess, spoiler for this eight year old game, um, as you know, like Ellie, within herself, kind of holds the potential for a cure for this this horrible pandemic, of uh, of of mushroom headed zombie stuff, mm-hmm. <laughs> the cordyceps. There you go, but obviously to be able to extract it, like she would have to die. And Joel did not want any part of that, so he goes ahead and slaughters everyone in the hospital on the way to the to the surgery room to, to get her out of there. Uh, and you know, the end of that story is him basically lying to her face about what actually happened in the hospital. You know, Ellie's not an idiot; she can find kind of figure <laughs> uh, that he's not exactly being truthful. But like, he would like there's no way for her to know for sure, obviously. But it's just kind of like in the back of her mind. And like the way the story works in part two is it kind of flashes back. Because this takes place about five years after, uh, after the original game. So you're playing most of the game, you know, like in, the, in that present. But like it flashes back and forth uh, to that five year gap uh, every so often to, to kind of fill in the gaps as to what happened before you take full control of the game. And, you know, like, Ellie eventually just goes back to that hospital and figures out that, yeah, Joel lied right to her face about what <laughs> happened. And, yeah, so, like, that's a big deal, obviously. And as it turns out, also, you know, those people that he murdered in the hospital had families <laughs> of their own uh, that would be very upset about what happened there. You know, one of those people is the antagonist of the game, or at least that's what it seems to be <laughs> uh, initially, in Abby. And uh, Abby rolls through... Uh, to where they're currently living 
and uh, you know does the deed <laughs> with Joel. You know mm. she 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 uh, she exacts her revenge, and people don't like that. That's a very bold. <laughs> like the game has a lot of balls <laughs> to do what it does. I think. Mm. Uh, both in saying, all right, Joel is finally getting his comeuppance for, for basically running roughshod through basically all of America between Boston and Salt Lake City. Yeah, obviously, Ellie did not take kindly to that, despite, you know, the falling out that she had with, with Joel. So basically, it's a, it's, a big, it's a big revenge story is what it is. It's like someone got revenge on Joel for what for finally got revenge on Joel for what, for what he was able to do uh, throughout that whole first game. Uh, and then you know it's 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 just, it's just this brutal look at, at the at the cycle of violence that's kind of unleashed when people kind of give in to their worst impulses in in terms of you know getting revenge. You know, classic saying. You know, like uh, you know, if you're gonna go get revenge, you better dig two graves or whatever. Hmm. And that's basically what this game is because it's just constantly, you know, like. You can say whatever you like about, you know, Joel, like how much you enjoyed, like, oh yeah, he was a good character. Like he was a good character, but you know, he probably did have that coming to him eventually. And you know, like when Ellie takes that as an affront, you know, she goes to go get her revenge on Abby. And you know, she travels all the way down to Seattle. She figures out that's kind of where Abby and her crew are from. And uh, yeah, it, it kind of goes from there. Like he plays through three days of, of going through Seattle to finally catch up to Abby. And then they catch up with each other, and then the game, in another ballsy turn, is like, all right, now you're going to play a second half of the game as Abby. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> uh, and it's jarring at first, because, like, well, this is the antagonist of the game, uh, supposedly. But as, you know, as you're playing with Ellie, like, Ellie's starting to lose herself to, like, her worst impulses, like I said. And towards the end of your playthrough with her, you're like, man, I don't know about Ellie <laughs> anymore. Uh, and then by the time you get... To play with Abby, she's like kind of this badass like antagonist. You're like, well, why the fuck would I want to play as Abby? And then by the time you get through her section, you're like, well, shit, Abby's actually not <laughs> so bad in her own right. And that story culminates uh, in a really, really interesting way. I think. Like, I think the game has a lot of guts to <laughs> to go through. I mean, not just killing off you know the main character of the first game, but to make you play as the antagonist and kind of say. Mm, Maybe you're both wrong. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, maybe you guys should just cut it out. And yeah, that kind of gets to that point. And then the only real issue with the story for me, I think, is that you know it gets to that kind of like natural kind of endpoint, or at least so it seems. And then the game kind of just keeps going for like five more hours. You're like, oh, okay. And as much as I enjoyed, ended up enjoying the story, like it does kind of worry out. It's welcome towards the end. Um, I, I feel like it's more like about kind of giving you something to do that doesn't feel so terrible <laughs> uh because you know like like i said th- those the majority of the game is just bleak and you feel bad about everything that's happening i was about to say uh if you guys want to hear a more in-depth conversation with me and joe uh episode 219 uh we actually i, I think we did as good of a back and forth as we could as i addressed i haven't played it yet Though, uh, by the way, it is it has been on sale pretty regularly for twenty nine ninety nine. So I've just been looking for an, a paycheck and an excuse. But uh, we had a pretty good uh, back and forth. Uh, me bringing up a lot of the concerns and stuff I had heard about the game. So you can check that out as well. But listening to you to describe the whole story <laughs> on that episode, I was 
I have to admit, like it. One of the things that is doesn't have me as excited to play this game. It sounds like a bummer. <laughs> it's a huge bummer. It's, it's bummer city. Bummers here. Bummers there. Bummers everywhere. Yeah, it's like this is not the year for bummers or last year. <laughs> uh, <Lots> yeah, because <laughs> I mean that like the story, like I said, the story kind of reaches what it what feels like a natural kind of like resolution uh, between like Abby and and Ellie. They do meet up in Seattle. Or they run into each other finally, and you know, like they fight, and it gets to a point where it's like, all right, like we've killed so many of each other's friends, just get the fuck away from me. If I ever see you again, I'll kill you. But just get the fuck out of my city. Like, God damn it! Like that seems like a pretty natural endpoint. But like I said, the game kind of continues on after that because, uh, man, what's Joel's brother's name again? Um, uh, David? No, wait. No, uh, well, whatever it is, <laughs> sorry. Uh, but his brother, like, he catches wind that El- that Abby is, is off somewhere else now, like in California. So she goes to, to Ellie, who's kind of moved out of their compound, off to a farmhouse with her girlfriend. and Tommy. Works. Tommy, there you go, damn it. There you go, why couldn't I remember Tommy? <laughs> yeah, like, she's off living on a farmhouse with her girlfriend, seemingly happy, happily ever after. Uh, like, they've got a kid and everything. But, like, Tommy comes in, he's like, I've got word that Abby's in California, you want to come, want to go get her? What a dick Tommy is, jeez. <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, because, like, he ended up in, he, he went to Washington as well to chase down Abby, and Abby damn near blew his brains out. <laughs> <laughs> like, he can, he, like, he can't even walk, like, he's got, like, a limp now, because of his running with Ellie, or with Abby. So, basically, he's, he can't actually do anything about Abby, like, he kind of goes to Ellie to, like, sick her on her, basically. Mm-hmm. Which, like you said, dick move. <laughs> yeah, she's got like a family and all this shit, yeah. and you're like, oh, hey, here, here's my baggage. Go yeah. after it. <laughs> so her girlfriend, like Dina, who went with her originally, she's like, no, you can't go. That's ridiculous. And she's like, uh, yeah, probably ridiculous. Uh-huh. But it's burrowed in her brain now that's like, well, fuck, if I can get rid of her for sure, I'm going to go do that. So she does, and like her girlfriend is very justifiably angry at the fact that Tommy basically suckered her into doing this and you know that's the next like five or six hours of the game is you going to santa barbara in california uh to hunt ellie or abby i keep mixing up names um and uh she ends up and turns out that abby ends up kidnapped by like this third faction of people which is (laughs) which like i said like i feel like they kind of came up with this so that you have some actual bad guys to, to fight through as opposed mm. to people that are just kind of living their lives <laughs> uh, because this faction in California like oh they're slavers they kidnap people and they enslave them <laughs> okay some actual honest to goodness bad guys <laughs> for you to for you to mow down for five hours so you feel at least good about something I guess mm. <laughs> at the end of this game but yeah like it, it plays out not too differently at the end so <laughs> like it kind of makes you wonder what the point of it even was besides Saying, yeah, you should probably get rid of these slavers in California. Why not? Uh, <laughs> but, I don't know. The story, the story I think, is tremendous uh, overall. This, despite the fact that it kind of lingers on a little bit too long. Just kind of the way, the things that they put you through, both as Ellie and as Abby, I think are really worthwhile. Um, really interesting ways to kind of endear you to those, to, to, to Abby especially, because... Like, you see her fucking smash Joel's head, and you're like, wow, I hate you. <laughs> but as you play through her story, you know, the characters that she runs into, 
and the way that she kind of shows herself is actually not that terrible of a person. She's just, like I said, like these are these are generally good people that were driven to some, to do horrible, horrible things because of what they've experienced in this like just brutal world. So I, yeah, it's it's gutsy storytelling. I'll, I'll to, to say the very least. Like I, I definitely appreciate it for that. And I mean to to not dwell on the story completely. Uh, gameplay wise, like it plays really well <laughs> like despite mm. the fact that the the story drives you to the story points where you, these terrible things happen but the gameplay in between is like well actually this is actually super fun <laughs> <laughs> like being able to you know kind of like slink around like it's actually pretty fun <laughs> like it it's it's kind of like that weird kind of dissonance where it's like the story's bleak but actually the act of picking off these people is actually super fun <laughs> like and they tried to give like all the, the 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 characters and enemies like little names or whatever like like they'll discover a body like oh no charlotte <laughs> uh to i guess make you feel bad but it's like uh, like that's, that's the third person i've heard called charlotte <laughs> in a very small area so like it kind of wears off pretty fast out of fact that they try to pull off and and graphically like it's it's incredible as well like i don't think they've patched it to play any differently on playstation 5 but playing the game on ps4 pro right before the ps5 came out yeah like the game is really impressive from a graphical standpoint and what they've able been able to do from an accessibility standpoint as well i think is also very much worth kind of phrasing as well because uh you know like a lot of games have accessibility options it's like you know they might have like a colorblind mode or something but not much beyond that like you know subtitles or things like that but like here like you can customize the game in so many different ways to make it so that just about anybody can play the game you know like they've got audio descriptions for stuff that's going on like they've got they they, they make it so that you can uh like the game like will call out where like oh there's an enemy here there's an enemy there um like you can raise the the enemies like awareness you can like invert the colors in so many different ways like just just so that basically anybody no matter what what disability you might you know might be living with no matter what like you there's probably a way for most people to play this game which is really great and i think it bears actual praise <laughs> because it, it's it's really great so this is kind of a out there question but it's something i was just thinking about because i feel like it's kind of funny that last of us is basically the game that it introduces clickers this unique take on zombies and stuff but it kind of feels like they don't really matter. <laughs> no, yeah, they're kind of besides the story. <laughs> yeah, it's like, like I was going to ask, like, which do you think you fight more in the game, the clickers or humans? Um, or I mean, there's definitely more humans for sure. Yeah. Um, they're, they're, I mean, they're, I mean, not to say that there aren't clickers at all. Like, obviously, there's. Oh yeah. yeah. There's like they're like they're all the same enemies that were in the in the first game. Uh, but what is interesting though is that you know one for one the game takes place like after a few years um so like in that case some of the oldest zombies like the longer the the that the that the fungus has to infect somebody like the more fucked up they become like clickers are are like what people look like after a few years uh then you can get stuff like the bloaters or whatever Hmm. uh but you know this game takes place a few years after that so like well what happens when bloaters are given even more time to get fucked up <laughs> and it's like oh oh god <laughs> oh god no <laughs> like you, you get some pretty horrific uh, enemy designs and there's a part where you go into a hospital uh as abby in seattle and this hospital 
uh, was ground zero for the infection in Seattle. So you go, it, there's a part where you have to go get like some very specific surgical tools uh, from, from that hospital. And it's like, well, somebody warns you uh, before you go down there. It's like, this is ground zero, which means these are the oldest zombies of all. We don't know what's down there, but it's probably pretty fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> and you go down there, and it's pretty fucked up. <laughs> like the, the boss enemy you encounter there is it, that that thing. I still think about sometimes. <laughs> it's oh, pretty wow. gruesome. You're like, oh, oh man, that's a that was a pretty terrifying encounter. Like like for for the game supposedly being a survival horror game, like The Last of Us Part One and Two were never really all that scary to me it's more of about you know just kind of like just get it's more of a puzzle than anything you know like trying to get around clickers without them hearing you mm. yeah like that was the first time and really the only time in the whole series where i felt like actually kind of like it was a real like actual horror game because it's like this is some scary looking shit <laughs> uh, like, it, it's a minor nitpick i've had with uh, the genre itself so this yeah. is really uh picking on uh last of us part two it knew really but if you i blame this on walking dead yes i was about to say exactly that <laughs> yeah it's like where they figured out it's like oh wow the humans are the real problem it's like yeah. at that point just make a post-apocalyptic story you don't need zombies there <laughs> <laughs> when when they when he literally said we are the walking dead that was the end of the genre that's yep. it <laughs> all right put it to bed it's like like you have these things, the clickers, and they're really not in the forefront at all. <laughs> yeah. Hey, say what you will about what was that other zombie game that we keep meaning to play but we keep forgetting to? Days uh, Gone. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, the zombies were at the forefront there, so you know what? That's a positive in that game's direction. <laughs> <laughs> they're literally the problem you have to work around. <laughs> None of these like faction like. A third gang of humans? Come on. Who <laughs> <laughs> are also assholes? I mean, come on. But uh, anyway, anyway, I digress. That's a conversation for another podcast. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I will say that I, I do want to play it. Like, I, I've heard the uh, the grumblings and... Some of them, if if they hold true, I may agree with. But at the same time, I think I owe it to the game, especially after how much I loved the first game, to try it myself and reach my own conclusion, as I would recommend to everyone else out there who may be a little hesitant there. Uh, it has gone down by 50% in price, at least for now. So yeah. now's a great time to pop it in and play if, you, if you'd like. Uh, anything else you wanted to add on this one, bud? No, I think that about does it for me. But uh, yeah, I, I think it's it's a hell of an achievement in design, and you know the story may or may not hit for some people, but it took a lot of fucking guts <laughs> to make it the way they did. So I'll applaud it for that for sure. Definitely. Speaking of games that are bleak, all right, uh, <laughs> that brings me to my number three, and that would be. A little indie title that created a genre called Demon Souls, the remastered version for the PS5, which shocked me and the world by being a launch title for the PS5. <laughs> and man, oh man, uh, the company that made this, Blue Point, is that right? Uh, yes. I keep thinking it's Knocking Point, which is a wine company. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, that was a 
Those are basically the same type of company. <laughs> Though out Joe drinking wine before playing this game might help him enjoy it more, but <laughs> what? Oh, I'm sure you'd have a laugh at it. I'm sure. <laughs> um, man, uh, Sony buy Blue Point. Uh, I'm just gonna say that <laughs> after so many remasters that they've done, where they've just knocked it out of the goddamn park, uh, especially with this game, where Jesus Christ, it's just wonderful. Like buy them. They, they do good work. I think they prove they're worth whatever, how many millions they want in order to be bought, but go buy them. But anyway, Demon's Souls, the <laughs> game that made me into a Souls fan and made Joe not into a Souls fan. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, wow, this is exactly the kind of game I don't want to play. <laughs> uh, if, you, if you've missed the last couple of years of me and Joe podcasting, yes, this is not his cup of tea, but it is mine. And... Uh, I talked about it uh, on the previous show, actually. Just uh, how much I enjoyed this game so far. It's uh, or, yeah, I'm still working my way through it, but it's like everything I remember the first game, except it looks and plays wonderfully. The traversing, like the traversing the castle and or the levels, look being weary of what's around every corner, the rush of and. and relief when you find a save point or you unlock the shortcut so that you'll have an easier time getting back there after you go back to the save point the uh, becoming slowly but surely more and more powerful as you level up your character the quality of life changes that they've done like uh uh, one of the more annoying things uh, that would happen in a game is when you accidentally uh attack a shopkeeper and now that shopkeeper <laughs> wants to kick your ass every single time you come by <laughs> now you can uh pay x amount to uh to a statue and basically all the npcs become cool with you again so you can buy stuff from them that's great <laughs> <laughs> but the monsters look great here and uh hey as a as a guy who really loves the music from the fir- from that original demon souls you know what it's there you can go listen to it whenever you want to but I love the homages they did to those those songs. They've got like new music uh, that's of course based on those original songs, and I thought they did a terrific job with them. Uh, and I enjoyed listening to them, and I'm really happy that I bought the uh, deluxe edition, so I got like a sampling pretty much of like all the music. Uh, just everything they did, like. Uh, when you're creating the character and like you can see your character's eyes through the helmet now, instead of it just being darkness. And, uh, it actually makes it really look cool that I can see my character's beady little eyes through like the visor of the helmet and the iconic suit of armor for the game. Uh, the, the way they handled the look of every character, including the shopkeeper, is like, I, I got to send you a picture of what I took, Joe. But there is a shopkeeper that you bump into the game that you can very easily think is an enemy just from how it looks. <laughs> I almost slashed the thing until I realized it wasn't attacking me. And I, that's sort of like, that's sort of what you have to do, unfortunately, sometimes. Like, I hate when they put the shopkeepers in the level. I'll say that much. But, <laughs> uh but just like everything done to perfection, like the freaking uh, bog pit uh, of a level or still looks as dirty and as grungy as I remember it. And in fact, it looks even grungier. Like the, the caves is, and all the enemies there are brought to life in a brand new way. And 
freaking bosses look freaking majestic in that game. Like, uh, I I find myself taking using photo mode quite a bit in this game, just for like the the cool shots of like the demon god, uh, the demon dragon god boss. I took a picture to show it to Sandra. I, I took pictures of the dragons flying through uh, the first level. Uh, a lot of the bosses are just like majestic and make for great photos, even though it usually means you're about to die by taking the picture, but still, it's worth it. <laughs> yeah, because you, you still can't really pause the game, correct? No, you can't pause the game. <laughs> just, uh, this is the game that introduced that. <laughs> yep, I love it. <laughs> Uh, God, but, forbid you take a, God forbid you have to take a piss. Oh, uh, yeah. but And it for me, it's even greater because, you know, not only did I play the first uh, Demon Souls, but I also played all three Dark Souls games. I played Sekiro. I played Bloodborne. And I'm a lot... My, my ability as a player is much different from back then when I was just a noob to the Souls game. And... I'm, make, I'm making some progress a lot quicker than I did originally, I will say. And I'm tremendously enjoying it. This is this is a freaking fantastic game. If you've always been curious about what the big deal with Souls games are, this is a great intro. I still stand by my belief that uh, it's got the most cohesive story out of uh, most of them. Well, for the most part. Sekiro, hands down, has the better story, I would say. But... In this game, you know what the hell you're doing. It's not like you wake up, you're undead one day, you deal with it. That's not, or the stories of Dark Souls, I should say. <laughs> hey, but no, you, you know what's going on here. The the kingdom of Boletaria has fallen into this mysterious fog and has been essentially blocked off from the rest of the world. And demons are taking over the land and sucking up the souls and basically of the, the inhabitants. And the inhabitants uh, are sort of stuck into this video game type of deal where they get killed, but then they get reanimated over and over and over again. So the demons can continually suck on their souls while those inhabitants also go mad from the <laughs> consistent redying over and over and over again <laughs> to a point where they attack everything that moves. Hence the enemies you have to fight through the game. <laughs> oh boy. And, uh, you basically are this uh, wandering, uh, you can be royalty. It depends on the character you play. You're either royalty or you're a wandering mercenary or you're a knight of the kingdom. And you wander into the fog to try to set the kingdom free. And from there, it's up to you what you do. Do you go mad with power as you gain the soul power for yourself? Or do you save the kingdom that you went in there to save in the first place? It's all right. It's... Uh, a fantastic story and the characters you meet throughout the story and how you deal with them are some of the most memorable characters I've ever faced. I've ever met in a souls game and uh, yeah, it's fantastic and they nail everything in this game. It's actually pretty impressive how well they nail everything in this game. <laughs> oh my God. It, it, it was one of the best surprises uh, that I had all year had this year in fact, I think they announced that this was going to be a game this year. And for a while, I thought, okay, this will be great in 2021 or 22. And then one day, uh, and they showed again, like at the uh, the final PS5 show. Of course, they don't mention a release date or anything. Yeah, just completely unceremoniously. <laughs> like, Jeff Keighley had to, like, ask them Jeff after. Jeff <laughs> <laughs> Like, so when does this come out? Like, oh, it launches on the PS5. Okay, great. 
That'd be that'd have been great to know during your fancy presentation. <laughs> Jeff Keeley with the scoop. Oh, by the way, this is a launch title. What? <laughs> uh, like how? It's not like you had to dedicate five minutes of the of the presentation to explaining that. You could have just said launch title at the beginning of the trailer, and you and you're good. <laughs> Freaking hell, Sony! What what are we doing? <laughs> oh man. But anyway, this is a this was a, this is a fantastic game and was made even better by being a remastered and uh, I love it. Uh, hopefully, maybe this means we'll actually get sequels to the Demon Souls game going forward, which is a world that I feel could be explored, especially cons- if uh, your character goes on the evil uh, path, as the canon explanation. But. Uh, I I really enjoy this one. This was a keeper for me and a definite lock for number for my top three at minimum. So this game, I imagine, has the same kind of network functions that the original release did, right? Where the or had like the light, dark. Uh, yeah. Or, or so was it called the influence or uh, tendencies? Tendencies. There you go. Yeah. So I wasn't a huge fan of the tendencies back in. <laughs> They're mainly because there's certain weapons and items that uh, appear in there and dying leans you towards the dark tendency, which unfortunately I did a lot. And uh, it wasn't until they did like a world event where it was like, okay, we're everyone is just light, super light tendency for this month. And then they did dark later on. But thanks to the super light, that's how I was able to get the dragon smasher sword finally, okay. which was Still one of my most favorite swords in all of uh, Souls games. But, uh, yeah, so they, they still got that. At, I'm still working on remembering being, uh, the tendencies as I tend to not focus on it on the first playthrough just because you're going to drive yourself mad by working worrying about too much stuff. After I get boosted, boost myself up to a point where I can just uh, do whatever I want, then I'll start worrying about uh, tendencies and stuff like that. But yeah, that's still very much in there. Anyway, Joe, get on that. Let's see. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like I, 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 I look at the game and like, and it does look incredible, like visually, mm. like it's it's a it's a masterclass of of video game world design. Like like we've mentioned before, like we fawned over Blue Point over basically mm. every remake that they put out. And this is this really does seem to be like their crown jewel so far. Like that game does look stunning. <laughs> I kind of like there's this there's a stupid tiny little bug in the back of my mind where it's like maybe I should check it out. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but I, I'm definitely gonna have to wait till it's not seventy dollars. <laughs> that, that's fair. That's a hundred percent fair. Now. <laughs> to, to kind of uh, explore my curiosity on that one, but. Um, yeah, it's a good-looking game. I'll give it that, for sure. All right. And uh, the game does a fantastic job of making you feel more like a badass in this one, like especially with the parries. Like Each weapon has its own unique animation for when you successfully parry and counter a move. My favorite still is the freaking so- normal sword, where you just smack away the enemy's attack, and then you <laughs> stab them through the chest and essentially do a choke slam from their chest into the ground. <laughs> Oh no! Or uh, when you got like a heavy club or sword, and you first you nail them in the head, knock them down, then you repeatedly smash them in the head with <laughs> it. Like Jesus Christ! Oh, it's great stuff. But yeah, yeah, I, I can under, I hundred percent understand. Yeah, 
to a point where I've essentially been like saving up just to get Yakuza once uh, the uh, the PS5 upgrade comes out. Is yeah, essentially I, how I'll have to time it out. But. Yeah, I mean the game is on sale. I think currently, I think it's like forty five bucks. Get get sale. out of here, really? Yeah. Um, so if you want, you can buy it at that price and just kind of sit on it <laughs> until it grows into a PS five version. God damn it! I'm gonna go broke over here today. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll have to check that out then. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so that's my that's enough gushing on Demon Souls for me. All right, here we are. We're at the penultimate choices for us uh, the game of the year. Joe, kick us off. What is, what is your number two? Oh, man. You know, I had some... I, I mean, I had some hesitance here. I hesitated because it's not an all-new game that I've got here at my number two, but the the the, the upgrades and updates to it are so substantial that I, I, I feel that I, I, it, it must be celebrated. So at number two, I've got... The update to our 2017 game of the year, Malcolm. Hmm. Persona 5 Royal is amazing. <laughs> it's incredible. The original game, obviously, we loved to death because it was our 2017 game of the year. There wasn't even much argument on that point when we did that. Yeah. Um, like, that game is a modern classic in the JRPG genre. You know, that story, those characters, all of it was just super fun. Like, the, so- the soundtrack, like, um, like, Amazing Beyond Words, one of my absolute favorite game soundtracks that I still listen to very regularly. Just a, a fantastic time. But of course, that game wasn't perfect. It had its it had some flaws, uh, you know, nitpicks more than actual glaring flaws. But um, you know, like things like you know, you would want to explore the city after after going through a dungeon. But Morgana would be like, "Nah, it's time to bed. Time to go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to bed now." Like, you're a fucking cat. You can't tell me. You can't make me do anything. What the fuck? <laughs> you know, this game just kind of gets rid of, you know, things like that. It's like, yeah, okay, yeah, go go do whatever you want. <laughs> whatever you want. Uh, like, aside from, like, very, very, very specific story points, only a handful of times where will you be forced to not go to do something you don't want to do. Things like that, you know, like, there's the, what do you call it, the all-out, not the all-out, the, the, tag, the tag system. Uh, mm. You know, when you're in a fight, you know, like you can, like if you hit somebody's weak point, you can like tag into, tag in another member of your party to, to follow up attack. Uh, oh. In the original game, that was something that you had to unlock individually with each member of your party. Like you had to like go through all their social links and level them up to different levels. Like sometimes, oh, level two lets you tag in right away. This character requires level four or level five. You're like, oh, God damn. <laughs> <laughs> um, like it seems like a pretty fundamental part of that combat system and but here it's just unlocked straight away like you unlock your new character all right you can tag him in whenever you actually you know execute that the combat correctly so it's like oh thank god (laughs) (laughs) just just you know little quality of life changes like that uh are are just huge to 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 making this game even better but like the actual changes that, that come from this are that they introduce two new characters into the story uh that you know, like obviously they weren't in the original game, but they're inter, they're 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 weaved into the story in a, in a really natural way. Like one's a counselor at, at your high school, and another is just uh, she's like a, she's a freshman uh, that you know, like it, it, and she's introduced like right away, like even in the opening cinematic when you're in that casino heist, um, like she's just introduced and everyone's like, who the hell is that? Um, <laughs> and 
you're the only one who really knows who she is as that story builds. But like the, the way that they're introduced and, and kind of like inter intertwined with the story, like it comes off as really natural. And the way that and they end up being really great additions to to the game's cast and their their story. Uh, culminates into that area between uh, Christmas and Valentine's Day, which is towards the end of the, the original game, where not much really happens, you know, in the original game, just kind of plows right through, like, oh, it's Christmas and now it's Valentine's Day and we're basically at the end of the game now. Like, no, like, the way it culminates, like, yeah, it's a whole new time for you to explore the city and go through a whole new dungeon. There's new overworld music. It's all really, really great stuff. The amount of that's added to the game overall between that and the soundtrack additions that they made. Like, the game is substantially larger than it was before. Like, it was already a pretty fucking big game. Like, I played the original game twice through when it came out in 2017, and each playthrough then was like 120 hours. And this game, I was able to platinum on one playthrough, uh, which I appreciate because it's a lot easier than platinum than the first game, which I did not platinum. Hmm. Uh, but I was able... And that took 160 hours, Malcolm. Uh, we're talking about a 33% <laughs> more game difference uh, between releases. So it's 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 a it's a huge time commitment for sure. I, I will say that. But what they were the way that they've managed to improve on this game, a game that I think is already one of my very favorite games ever, uh, to be able to polish it even further and and give it more substantive upgrades and updates it's it like i'm super impressed with it like i think it's it's super it's just amazing <laughs> like i can't it's hard for me to even to to really say how much i love what they've done with this game uh just so just a small update before i come on in here uh so yakuza is not on sale however oh. however persona 5 royale is on sale for fifty percent off. Twenty nine ninety nine. Oh, you can get it for now. Damn, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's a great price for an incredible game. Yeah, I am. That'll. I'm gonna put the phone away so I don't get uh, coerced into buying anything else. <laughs> but that I mean, that's gonna be weighing on me for a little while. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, as Joe said, it was it. Kind of a shocker, but I uh, when not when it happened for me. But at the same time, it's like looking back on it. Yeah, it was game of the year for easily back when it won the <laughs> title originally, and I was kind of expecting something like this to happen because uh, that's what they did with uh, Persona Four, where you had Persona Four Golden. Yeah, and so I've been very curious about that. And from the sounds of it, it sounds like they just knock it out of the park and make it like the version of the game to get. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and so. And you know, Persona Five was great as on it as it is, and now you're telling me it's better. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like all the little nitpicks and annoyances that you might have had with that original game are like just gone now. <laughs> and like what they've added to the game with the characters, the soundtrack. Ooh, we just man, what a what a what a tremendous piece of software that they've put out there from Atlas. Ah, uh, God, gosh darn. So yeah. Definitely go check that out there. Uh, did you have anything else you wanted to add, or is that pretty much... You, you did a pretty substantial job explaining. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's good, man. Just, uh, I'd say play it, especially if we can get it on sale for the tremendous price of $30. Uh, even at $60, like at first I was like, yeah, $60 for, for Persona 5 again, and then it's like, oh, 
yeah, this is worth every penny, actually, <laughs> uh, even at $60. But if you can get it for 30 that's way better, <laughs> even. Definitely. All right, and now we come to number two for me, which we already discussed, actually. Uh, it was uh, Ghost of Tsushima. This will be a relatively short one, because between the uh, episodes we've done about what we've been playing for 2020... And just now, I think we've pretty much covered it pretty <laughs> no, well. No, we're but... going to rehash it all over again. All right, so because <laughs> our environments are... <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, just in summary, go play it. I mean, this is like a freaking masterpiece. Uh, the, congratulations to Sucker Punch for just knocking it the fuck out of the park and uh, probably making something that's going to be a really good franchise for Sony going forward. Yeah. And, you know, everything with Jin and how he... And his entire story and how everything is done. It, this is the samurai game you've wanted that you didn't even re- <laughs> that you may not have realized that you wanted this game. <laughs> yeah, um, like I love that game so much that I did platinum that as well. There you go. So definitely go go out and get it. Uh, at this point, I, I don't know what else I could tell you to make make you want to <laughs> go out and grab it. Like, oh, oh man, I'm just realizing that. Every game on my list so far, I've gotten a platinum in that I love. <laughs> like, I Ooh. love these games so much that I went out of the way, my way to do all that. Well, there you go. You can't get any better than that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so that that is was my number two. And I will fi- once again reiterate, if I was being super, super objective, Ghost would probably be my game of the year. But uh, my number one actually... Had to win for different reasons, <laughs> but we'll get into that uh, in a moment. But first, Joe, we mentioned it earlier here. Uh, honorable mentions. Did you want to start us off with this one, or? Uh, yeah, um, you know, for all the well, let's just call it the big dumpster fire of a year that was 2020. <laughs> um, a lot of good video games came out. <laughs> it's actually one of the better years in recent history for video games, and thank God for that because otherwise I might have thrown myself into traffic by like the summertime (laughs) Uh, (laughs) but let's start it off with like probably the game that kind of dominated 2020 because for one it came out at the very perfect time like it came out right in march uh march 20th specifically couldn't have dropped at a better time but animal crossing new horizons came out right when everything was going down into lockdown and everyone (laughs) no one knew what the fuck was going on like, what, how long we'd be on lockdown, what, make heads or tails of anything. It's like, well, you can at least go outside in your, <laughs> on your little island in Animal Crossing New Horizons. And, man, that game was just a nice, soothing balm <laughs> for, for the course of 2020. Like, as things got weirder and weirder, Animal Crossing was always there, changing with the seasons and with seasonal events and holiday events. And, you know, just being able to run around. Uh, it was a lot more connected than previous Animal Crossing games. You can... You know, visit each other's islands, trade items much more easily. Just a really nice way to hang out with your friends and kind of just, you know, express yourself, I guess, in terms of decorating your little island, meeting characters and all that, all that wholesome good stuff. For me, it just kind of ran out of steam after I managed to roll credits after a few weeks. Um, like the way the game is built, it's the, the, the end goal, I guess, for your island, or at least the, the goal that they set out for you is like, all right, make the island nice enough that K.K. Slider will want to visit and play a concert for, for the residents on the island. And once I got to that point, you know, you got to hang out with K.K. Slider, who 
uh, fixture of the series, the dog with the with the guitar. <laughs> um, he plays the concert credits roll, and you know you after that you actually unlock more stuff to to be able to customize your island even more. Like you can customize the entire terrain of the island if you want now. But at that point, like I'd kind of done most of what I wanted to do. Um, like most of the museum was filled out with all the fossils and plants and whatnot and bugs. Yeah, like I'd kind of done everything I wanted to do by by the time June hit. <laughs> so um, for me, like I didn't quite get into it as far as everybody else did, but it's definitely a game that kind of got countless millions of people <laughs> through a pretty rough year. I think it's definitely the best-selling game for Nintendo of the year. I think I saw the NPD results for that. I think it was like the number three game of the year for 2020 in terms of just raw sales. And that don't, and that didn't even include digital sales of the game. Oh, goddamn. <laughs> um, like, I think Nintendo said it sold like 30 million copies, Ooh. which is nuts. <laughs> that's, probably, <laughs> that's probably like half of all people with Switches, at least. So, yeah, that's definitely a game that came out at the right time. Definitely. I... I have yet to play one of these games, mainly because the addiction I see a lot of people do when they (laughs) play these games is kind of nerve-wracking, but yeah, this sounded like it was a home run, so definitely definitely have to give it an honorable mention for sure. Yeah, it's a a fun little game. It's it's great. Alright, are we taking turns with this one, or did you want to go through your whole list? No, if you got something, you can go ahead. Alright, so... I'd be a little remiss being a fan of this franchise is uh, not mentioning this, but a little game called Resident Evil 3 came out this year. Oh. Yeah, which uh, caught people off guard because we literally just got Resident Evil 2, it feels like. <laughs> yeah, they're only a year apart, correct? Yeah, yeah. And you're like, no, nope, we got Resident Evil 3 t- as well, which, you know, makes sense because it takes place in the same place <laughs> pretty <laughs> much at the same time. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah. Yeah, the uh, that rendition of the game came out, and uh, by all intents and purposes, it looked like another home run. They uh, inserted uh, new uh, difficulties. Nemesis is a son of a bitch in this game. Goddamn! <laughs> Essentially, he's got like uh, the scorpion get over here move, and uh, they gave him more moves and more ways to get get a hold of you, which is great. So. <laughs> <laughs> But they've also given Jill some new moves, like the ability to bob and weave and dodge uh, more effectively, which essentially can start off like a sort of a bullet time mode where you have like some extra time to like escape and what have you. So, uh, and from the look, I haven't had a chance to play it, but everything I've seen about it looks great. A lot of these uh, will be games that I've heard nothing but great things about that did some research and uh, watched some YouTube videos on. And that I want to play, but unfortunately, it was 2020. Funds wasn't a uh, <laughs> huge thing to have this year. Yeah. You know, so uh, I, but I'm looking, but uh, at some point I will grab them. But Resident Evil 3 looks like it just continues the trend of like awesome, basically the reinvention and the reintroduction of Resident Evil back into horror. And one of the reasons why I'm looking forward to Resident Evil 8 so much. But, uh, yeah, Resident Evil 3 look fantastic. Yes, sir. All right, buddy, what's up for you now? Let me see. In the interest of getting through this relatively quickly, let me combine a couple here. Mm-hmm. One game that I really loved when it came out, but it's a little, but the nature of the game makes it really short, is uh, Streets of Rage 4, mm-hmm. which was just a glorious love letter to the original trilogy of games that came out on Genesis in the 90s. 
and it hits on all the things that made you know those games so special for you know for a generation of players you know it's got gorgeous 2d art combat super satisfying you know you get that nice you get that nice crunch and oomph with every punch you throw uh <laughs> and it's got an incredible edm soundtrack that is very much in line with the original games you know yuzo kishiro didn't produce the entire soundtrack like he did with those original three he only worked on a few tracks of the soundtrack overall but you know the ones that he did are obviously the bangers on the, on the soundtrack but the whole soundtrack overall is, is really great really really good and you know i was happy for that game to come out as well as it did you know it's got just enough you know quality of life improvements that make it a little easier uh to, to swallow than the original games not because you know the games are not to make it necessarily easy but it's like it's nice to be able to punch somebody towards the edge of the screen and not have them fly off completely off screen and then have to stand in the middle of the screen for however many seconds before they you know lumber back on it's like no like they just put an invisible wall at the edge of the screen they'll just bounce off of there and you can keep fighting them uh, right away so things like that you know little touches like that make it a really really great game oh yeah love it and real quick also uh man eater a game that recently came out uh, <laughs> on playstation plus for ps5 owners if you if you're fortunate to have uh one of the new consoles uh but you know i played it on ps4 uh originally last year i got it on sale for pretty cheap and you know it's just a silly as hell game where he plays a shark <laughs> you're out for vengeance against this dude named scaly pete he's the star of this trashy reality show uh about shark hunting uh and that's the way the kind of the game is kind of presented and like everything he do is narrated by uh chris parnell uh who you might know from you know like rick and morty or uh you know snl things like that Mm. And, uh, you know, there's not too much to the game. It's not much more than, you know, terrorizing people and marine life uh, that you come across. But, you know, there's just enough there to, to get you through. Like, it's, uh, it's, this, it's this RPG where you play as a shark. Uh, and, you know, the more you do, like, the more you grow and level up. Like, the game is pretty tough at first when you're just a pup. Um, mm. Until you get to level 10 and you grow into a teenage shark. Basically, that's when the game really comes into its own, and you can actually really do real do some real damage to, to, to other to the to the life around you, and uh, it's a lot of fun. It's it's not super deep, but it's a lot of fun being able to just devour shit as a shark and become this giant megalodon uh, towards the end. It's uh, it's really neat. If you've got it on PlayStation Plus, it's even better for free. Uh, yeah. yeah I was a- I was about to say, yeah, it is uh, just a reminder. It is a freebie this month uh, for PlayStation Plus subscribers, so make sure to download it into the library as soon as you can. Yeah, like it's a great game to just turn off your brain, like, and just say, yeah, I'm gonna go fuck up some shit as a shark. <laughs> oh yeah, I started playing it. Admittingly, it's a uh, as you were saying, it's a little difficult because I'm not at level ten yet, and yeah. fucking gators keep eating me yeah um yeah <laughs> but once you're but, able to defeat alligators and once it gets like easy to defeat alligators you're like oh man i'm <laughs> i'm king i'm king shit of fucking this mountain right now <laughs> so that'll probably be my level grinding game for a little bit <laughs> yeah like it gets to the point where you're fighting fucking orca whales <laughs> it's nuts it's good <laughs> So, for my next one, uh, this is another game that it's easy to forget. Came out. This actually came out like right at the beginning of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Dragon Ball Z Kakarot came out this year. Oh right. And 
I got to tip my hat here. Like, if you're looking for, like, a fun way to just relive pretty much all of Z, then uh, they, they pretty much nailed it. You play as, like, multiple characters, not just the particular Kakarot there, you pl- or <laughs> Goku. You pre- you, you'll play as Krillin, you'll play as Gohan, you'll play as Piccolo, and you basically play through the events uh, of Dragon Ball Z. And they include some, like, extra bits here, like, what was Piccolo doing while Gohan was training against dinosaurs and whatnot <laughs> in the uh, original Saiyan arc? Or what was uh, Vegeta up to while he was like scouring around for like extra Dragon Balls in the freaking Namekian arc and stuff like that? Or even what happened in between arcs with uh, Gohan and uh, various other characters? And so it, it was fun the way they handled uh, flying around and combat and how unlocking moves and the training for unlocking new moves and a lot of the bonus stuff where essentially you not unlike it very much actually like in Dragon Ball where or they the protagonist would like fight against a mental image of an opponent to sort of get stronger. You can do the same with past bosses or you can find the Dragon Balls and revive uh, the same bosses that you beat and it's funny like they'll get revived like how the fuck did we get back here like (laughs) and they'll start doing the same shit again and then you go and fight them again except now you're even stronger than you were before just to show you how much your character has grown and uh, play through it again and i have to say it is super fun playing through the game where you're doing like at the beginning like 500 points of damage and whatnot and then you get to the boo arc and you're doing like 300,000 points of damage <laughs> to enemies and uh, on top of that their DLC p- stuff has been on point as they're going into Dragon Ball Super like they've gotten the stuff where you're essentially training to fight Beerus you can unlock uh, Super Saiyan God mode uh, to play as in the game and uh it looks like they're going to be tackling other arcs in the game as well and sort of continue on. So before too long, you may just have like all of Dragon Ball Z to play through right there, then and there. And uh, strengthening up and leveling up, leveling up your characters is super fun. So I had a blast with it. Uh, it did not make my top five, but it was still fun. I, I would easily say it was in my top ten for this year. So definitely go pick it up if you're a Dragon Ball Z fan. Nice. Is there anything else you want to... Is there another game you want to tack on? All right. Uh, I'll rapid fire some games here. Uh, Fall Guys, I feel like we should mention at least once. Uh, grant- yes. <laughs> <laughs> granted, it doesn't have quite the momentum it had back in the day. Or back in the day, like a few months ago. And <laughs> <laughs> the, the far gone days of August 2020 when it released. <laughs> but, uh, man, for a time, that was a fun game to play for a little while. Yeah. And it still is a fun game. I, I still dip my toe in it every now and then since they're, they're updating with new seasons, new courses and whatnot. Yeah, and that was a game that me, Joe, and the wife all played together. And uh, you really get a grasp of how terrible people out, out there are <laughs> playing this game. Like, my favorite is the... Because, you know, like, with each part of the game show, it's like so many people will, will like, cross the finish line and the rest are eliminated. There are those who will know that they are just at the line as far as uh, <laughs> as far as people qualifying, and they will stand by the finishing line just for somebody to run up 
just till somebody they can see coming close to the finish line and just wait to the last possible second to cross to run across it just so you feel like an idiot for even dreaming or hoping that maybe just maybe you're going to do it but i had fun you know like the obstacle courses were great and i i have to kind of feel like the creator had no idea that this game was going to catch on like it did oh right yeah is probably working on a sizable update. I think it was just like five guys who made this game or something. Yeah, it's like a few. Like the game was made by uh, the developers Mediatonic, who actually as they developed like a ton of games. Like I, I look like after Fall Guys came out like about a month after that. Like I was like, let me see what else they've like they've worked on, and they've worked on like something like something crazy like thirty games over like the last like 10 years it's like whoa <laughs> like some of the stuff you know like some of it pans out you know like some of it's decent stuff but definitely nothing on the the scale of success that that fall guys uh managed to achieve because i mean for one it it managed to to pull what rocket league pulled uh when mm-hmm. that game came out like it came out as a playstation plus game like right on day one uh, so a ton of people were able to just kind of download it and it's like, all right. Because, I mean, the game had an open beta on PC, I think, uh, before it actually came out on PS4. So it got some publicity uh, before, like that way. But, yeah, I think being on PlayStation Plus is what really catapulted the game into this stratospheric success that it is. Definitely. I'll just uh, So the rest of these are just essentially games that uh, I haven't played yet, heard good things about. Uh, for one reason or the other, and I want to play them. Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity, mm. uh, which I'm not typically not a big uh, Warriors game fan. But yeah. However, <laughs> <laughs> however, uh, this one is they like uh, the Zelda people have said it. This is essentially the backstory of what exactly happened before Breath of the Wild. So this is the right. prelude. Dude, so. I'm, I want to play it just for simply for that backstory. So that's a great use of a Hyrule Warriors game. Uh, Carrion, which uh. is a, a game from... Uh, what, what's the name of the studio? Uh, I don't remember the developer. Red name. Net. Oh, they, they're the ones who have those really uh, hysterical uh, conferences. Uh, CD, on. not CD Projekt. No, <laughs> it's not CD Projekt Red. It's uh, Phobia Game Studios. Thank there we go. Uh, the concept of it, you know, it's an 8-bit where you play like a monster that's like roaming around and killing people. And, you know, like, it's essentially a Metroidvania game. And the concept just sounds unique enough for me to be interested in it. We've already talked about uh, Persona 5 Royale, which maybe, just maybe, I'll be able to check off this list here. <laughs> uh, Doom Eternal came out uh, recently, and it sounded like it was more Doom. So I'm right, kind of... Yeah, I have to check that one out. <laughs> yeah. It's on Game Pass, so I can't. Oh, there you go. Yakuza 7 or Yakuza Like a Dragon mm-hmm. looks wicked fun. Uh, we've discussed that over and over again. And, um. Oh, uh, a game that's not on any, any of our lists, but considering how many people keep talking about it, I feel I regret that I didn't get a chance to play a game called Hades. Ah, yes. Same here. <laughs> like by, by all by all accounts, uh, it is a worthy game to consider for for most people's you know top game of the year. Uh, and you know, like I see no reason to disagree with anybody who says that's their game of the year because um, you know it's it's made by uh, uh, God. What's the studio's name? 
Fuck, I can't name... What's the name of the studio? <laughs> okay. It's a long name. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, either way. <laughs> the, the studio behind uh, uh, games like Bastion and, and Pyre. Uh, like super they, giant games. Super giant games. God damn it. There we go. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, like they and Transistor. Like they've like they've been making great games for a, a long time, and and each game seems to be better than the last. And like this is seems to be the culmination of all the hard uh, work that they've done as a studio over the last ten years or so. Yeah, and uh, so for anyone who's wondering, like, wow, how did it not even place? That's why we didn't play yet. So. <laughs> yeah, sorry, sorry, sorry. I want to. If, if anyone's got twenty bucks for me, I, I'd rather I'd be happy to do it. Yeah, if the government sends us more than six hundred dollars, then we'll be right <laughs> on it. So, anyway, so, but that uh, that essentially does it for me. Did you have any more, bud? Um, I had a couple more. Uh, real quick, uh, right. Astro's Playroom. Uh, mm. Which is free to play another free to play game uh, for every PlayStation Five owner. It's pre-installed on your console, uh, so there's no excuse not to play it except for just simply not wanting to. <laughs> uh, mm. But you'd be doing yourself a disservice because it's really great. It's you know largely designed to be uh, a, a technical showpiece for the DualSense controller specifically, and it does a really brilliant job of that. You know with the triggers and the haptic feedback and uh, the touchpad, all that stuff is just really really intuitive and and it really hopefully shows third-party developers because i trust sony to to implement their own hardware (laughs) but hopefully third parties will look at you know astro's playroom and get some good ideas for what to do with their with their own games on ps5 but on top of being you know this this showcase for the controller it's also just a genuinely fun and charming 3d platformer that kind of goes through the entire history of PlayStation, the 25 year plus history, um, you know, not just of games, you know, like it includes plenty of references, uh, you know, like you go through these levels uh, and you see these cute little robots recreating scenes from games all through PlayStation history from PS1 all the way through PS4. Um, And not just, you know, first party Sony games, uh, but you'll see cute little references to third party games. some of them are even pretty obscure. It, like, and it's it's really impressive the reverence that they've play, uh, paid to to PlayStation history with this game, and you know the collectibles in the game are not just you know like random trinkets, but like hey, you're collecting PlayStation hardware <laughs> and accessories. Uh, like each level area is kind of uh, in a weird way, like they're all named and designed to be different parts of the PlayStation 5 hardware, like, oh, GPU jungle or whatever, <laughs> uh, things like that. And, but, like, each uh, level also dedicates itself to previous uh, a previous uh, pl- piece of uh, PlayStation hardware, like, uh, as you're going through GPU jungle or the cooling, the, the cooling station place or whatever, like, oh, this is the PS2 area, this is the PS1 area. So all the accessories and collectibles they collect are all like accessories for that particular piece of hardware. Like if you're going through the PS2 uh, area, it's like, all right, you'll collect things like the iToy camera and memory cards and stuff like that. And you, you're able to like examine it and it's, it's, it's recreated in loving detail. And, and, and like all the stuff that you collect goes into like this central hub area where it's like, oh, like here's all the PlayStation hardware you've collected. And, yeah, it's like this little museum of, like, PlayStation history. 
that's really neat. Like you're collecting accessories for the PSP that they did that didn't even release in America. Like, oh, here's the GPS attachment for the PSP. I'm like, fucking what? <laughs> <laughs> here's the camera attachment, huh? <laughs> and it's it's just really neat. Just something that I really appreciated. Um, and you can platinum the game within like five hours. It's just super fun to go through. Nice, nice. Let's see. I also played through Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2, which is mm. one of the better remakes that I've ever seen. You know, obviously Demon Souls, I guess, kind of took its thunder <laughs> uh, for, for what a, a remake can be. But Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2 is like the remake. Uh, it Like, that's the version of the game that lives in your heart. <laughs> mm. As opposed to the one that lives in reality, if you ever go back to play it on original PlayStation 1 hardware. Where it's like, okay, this looks a certain kind of way. <laughs> uh, but but this remake, you know, in glorious 4K, 60 frames, HDR, uh, like it's like all the all the skating lines for all the for all your all the trick combos that you remember doing, like it's all recreated perfectly. The physics are recreated perfectly. Uh, the soundtrack, all the music is is there, plus a few extra tracks. All the original skaters are there, plus a few new skaters. Like, the reverence paid to the original games is, is great. Like, it's the game that lives in your heart. <laughs> uh, when you think about how much fun you had with those games back in the day, it's it's done beautifully. Good stuff with Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2. Out of curiosity, small side. But uh, since you have HBO Max, have you seen uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson's uh, TV series Ballers? <laughs> I have not. Highly recommend... First of all, Dwayne Johnson fucking kills it in it. Uh, <laughs> but there's this arc, Erica, which you may appreciate, where essentially, where okay, The Rock's character is essentially he's a sports agent. And uh, in season four, they decide to try to expand to the West. It takes place primarily around New York and uh, the East Coast. <laughs> and uh, they decide to expand on the West and they take on all these new clientele. And there becomes this, uh, and they do so by buying out this other agency over there, who has who's more of an artist type, and they have a falling out, and Rock fires them, and uh, they're trying to scramble to keep all the clientele that he had before, and one of them is Tony Hawk, who's talking to the Rock <laughs> as he's skateboarding, of course, and he's like, "Yeah, I gotta say, I'm gonna stick, I'm gonna stick with uh, yada yada." Uh, you know, it was his idea to name my video game Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, so I've been kind of indebted to him. And Rock's character at this point is getting kind of livid. So I like, the fuck were you going to call it other than Tony Hawk's Pro Skater? <laughs> and he's like, well, I was going to call it The Nest. And uh, Rock's like, the fuck does that mean? <laughs> uh. It was a, It's like a quick back and forth, but I thought it was hysterical. <laughs> oh, man, that sounds pretty good. <laughs> oh, it's a very good series. I I highly recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah, those games are great. <laughs> uh, another quick note with that game though is uh, you know even though it focuses on uh, Pro Skater One and Two, uh, the co- the controls default to Pro Skater Threes. Uh, I don't know how much Pro Skater you played back in the day, Malcolm, but Pro Skater Three has an extra trick that wasn't in the. The, the first two games, which is the revert, which lets you continue combos from uh, ramps and, and you know vertical tricks. Um, mm. And if you want, you can tur- if you want to be a purist, you can switch to Pro Skater One or Pro Skater Two controls. But I thought it's it was an interesting 
thing to include. Like maybe they might include or bring the Pro Skater 3 courses in DLC or something. That's something mm. I would pay for. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> I remember for a while, Pro Skater was essentially like rock band or guitar hero levels <laughs> of like each year you got a different iteration. Like there was one iteration where you were going up against one of the jackass guys, Bam, for some reason. <laughs> yeah, Bam Margera showed up, I think, in uh, Tony Hawk's Underground. Mm. I think is when he started showing up. As, uh, and I think the final one was whatever one had the peripheral, where if you put it on a washing machine, it guaranteed you a high score. Or something. <laughs> oh god, Tony Hawk ride. Yes. Man, what a mistake. <laughs> oh lord. Yeah, so this is basically the remake that we should have gotten when they put out that PS3 remake, uh, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater HD. That mm. game was just abysmal. Like, <laughs> the physics were off, and it's just bad. Um, but this, like, nails it, like, right on the head. It's, it's, it's great. Nice. All right, buddy. Do you have any, any other ones, or is that, that good? Uh, one last game that I think, right. uh, to, to throw a bone to our buddy... RK, <laughs> um, and honestly, it's a game that you could probably talk about a little bit more than I can, because uh, I didn't get as far into it as you did. But but Genshin Impact, I was just absolutely gobsmacked by the fact that this free-to-play game uh, can look and play as, as well as it does, especially since they've patched it uh, to take a little bit more advantage of the PS5 hardware. Even though it's still a PS4 game natively, uh, but on PS5, like it's been patched to run at like 60 frames with HDR, <laughs> like it like. The game already looked pretty good, but like now it's like holy shit! <laughs> like this is free. <laughs> uh, it is, it is solid. Like it, it is a testament to like uh, what you can accomplish if you put in actual effort into a free to play game. Yeah. And uh, let's let's be upfront here. The game looks amazing, plays amazingly. Uh, it is such a huge in-depth world where you can actually lose yourself for hours on end <laughs> just playing through it. And uh, once again, it's free, which is pretty crazy. But I will, I kind of hyphenate the free part because, yes, you can download the game for without having to drop one penny. But if you're not strong-willed, because RK will be very much pointing <laughs> out that, oh, I play with... I can play it. Da, 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 da. You don't need to spend money, but he has. And um, <laughs> if you are the type, there, there's a reason this game, despite being free, made two million in its first month. <laughs> <laughs> or that that might even be not giving enough credit. I think it might have been the first week. But uh, if you're if you spend money easily, you may not may want to consider not playing this. But if we take that out of the equation. Like, it is essentially pretty fantastic on what you can do, like, the amount of stuff you can do in this game so that it feels like uh, you're actually actively towards working something. And uh, essentially, it's sort of like an anime avatar, The Last Airbender, where your character is essentially The Last Airbender because you can use all all the <laughs> elements, essentially. Not that I think about it, but it's this big huge engrossing world with its own lore with character multiple characters and it is a gotcha game in that uh, it's a new character it feels like every month or so or quite often because you know you want to collect them all so (laughs) (laughs) 
So, but yeah, it's pretty incredible. And you know what? It's made money, but it wouldn't be making money if it wasn't good. Right. <laughs> I want to stress that uh, quite highly. I mean, I hope other games learn from this. That even if you go out there and set it for free, as long as you put in the effort and you make it a home run right out of the bat, you can accomplish a lot. So you can you can make money. So sit on that, EA. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Who lost Star Wars finally, thank God. But anyway. <laughs> so yeah, definitely. And uh, you know, I, I had fun with it. It didn't quite grab me and hold me as uh, RK did, but I, I can't fault it for... Qu- for a quality issue or at all. So, yeah, yeah. hard to deny the quality of the game. Absolutely. All right, buddy. We're here. Our number one picks. Our personal game of the years. So, Joe, first up, what was your number one? Oh, man. It's it's a game that I knew from the, from the get-go. From when it was announced, I knew it was a game I was going to love. But I did not know I was going to love it as... As, as deeply as I did, and and that is Yakuza Like a Dragon, my game of the year for the year of our Lord 2020. <laughs> <laughs> Holy cow! What a, what a tremendous game that uh, that the studio put out. Just just tremendous work. It's it's a it's a bold new direction for for the franchise, both with the new protagonist in Ichiban Kasuga and the gameplay style from you know from beat 'em up brawler to turn based RPG <laughs> and just wild directions on both fronts there. It's 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 great. Simple as that. Kasuga, he's 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 kind of like a fun blend of both uh, Kiryu and Majima. Like he's like you know he's he's that he's the gangster with the heart of gold, but he's got you know kind of like the goofy streak that Majima has that that Kiryu doesn't quite have. You know like <laughs> Kiryu, you know he, like he's the, like goofy stuff happens to him all the time, but he's the straight man in all those situations. You know. Oh yeah. <laughs> You know, Kasuga very much is is a goofball, in in a way that that Kiryu simply isn't. And you know, the camaraderie that he develops with his party me- members uh, throughout the game brings you know f- a fresh new dynamic uh, to exploring the city around you. You know, like before you're you're almost always alone uh, as Kiryu, but you know, like as Kasuga, like it's an RPG. You're leading you're leading a party, and you're all walking through the streets of y- either Yokohama. Sometimes it's. Uh, like there's a spell where you go back to Kamurocho. As you bring more party members with you, you know, like exploring the city, they'll open new little conversations uh, as you see stuff. Like as you, it's like, oh, you've got a Korean party member that goes by a Korean restaurant. He's got something to say about that. You know, like, a ch- you know, like one of your members Chinese, he's got something to say about this and that. Like psychos, like she's like, uh, she works as a hostess. Like she's got her own things to say about different things. Like it's all, it's all really cool. Like even as you go to eat at restaurants, you know, like eating different food. Like everyone's got different backgrounds, and they've all got different things to say about the food that you eat. Even, like it's really cool. <laughs> like it's just something that you don't that I've never gotten out of a Yakuza game before. The the story just, you know, both both as as the mainline thing and and just like all the side stuff they do with all these characters. Like like it's all really well done. Like everything about the characters is it's it's just something that I haven't gotten out of a Yakuza game before. Not to say that I didn't get anything out of a Yakuza game before. Like, I love those games to death that I've played. But, yeah, like, this 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 RPG mechanic where we've got party members, like, really really ups it, I think, in a, in a really meaningful way. And, you know, it being a turn-based RPG now also is 
turned out to be really fun. <laughs> like, they managed, like, I thought it was, like, I had no idea uh, how it would turn out. Like, this could either be really great or can end up being something really where they have to pivot back to something, back to the brawler style. Uh, but thankfully, what they did was it turned out really great. Like, it's, it's a fairly straightforward uh, battle system, but it is deeper than it lets on. Because, uh, you know, there are different, like, like when, like for one, the combat, uh, even being uh, turn-based, like, everyone kind of, like, spreads out in the battle area. And depending on where people are kind of standing, because it's not like, oh, <laughs> you know, it's not like, you know, like a Final Fantasy from back in the day where it's like, oh, all of your party members stand on this side <laughs> and everyone else stands on the other side. It's like, no, it's a, we're in, we're brawling in an alley. So everyone's just kind of scattered everywhere. If you're kind of, you're kind of careless with it to like punch like somebody and there's someone else in between you guys, like they're just going to intercept you and just kick you in the face and you lose your turn <laughs> uh, with that character. And, you know, sometimes it's kind of annoying because it's like, uh, like I've got an area of effect attack that I'd like to do, but like everyone's too spread out to <laughs> to actually do it effectively. It'd just be a waste of, you know, the extra MP that it'll take uh, to do it, you know, things like that. And, um, you know, like there's summons that you, that you can get <laughs> that you can unlock throughout the game, <laughs> uh, which are fucking fantastic. Like you unlock them through the side mission, this mandatory side mission. So it's really weird that they call it a side mission but uh yeah like you run into this guy who who uh it, like the, he's like oh yeah it's um like we've got a service it's called pound mates <laughs> it's like wait what uh like postmates you, you dial a number and someone comes to deliver a beating <laughs> for for a nominal fee uh it's like oh okay um and you know these are characters that you encounter either through side stories and sometimes uh, characters that you uh, meet through the main story uh, are all unlocked as summons through this poundmate system, and it's really funny. <laughs> like sometimes you know it's other, you know, human characters, but sometimes it's like, oh yes, here's a crawfish <laughs> that you can throw. Uh, it's goofy stuff, but you know it's the best example yet, I think, of the franchise's kind of trademark blend of you know the the melodrama of the main story, but with the offbeat hilarity. Uh, that you get out of the side missions and and just the heartfelt character development uh, that you get through the through the party system, just tremendous stuff. It's probably my favorite Yakuza yet, to say the very least. Uh, and and an easy pick, I think. Once I was done with it, um, it was a pretty easy pick for my my game of the year for twenty twenty. Even better than zero. Even better than zero. Wow. As, as much as I loved zero, like zero. Oh man, Zero is such a great game too. <laughs> um, even I, I mean, I do like the the management sim in Zero more than I like the one in <laughs> in 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 Like a Dragon. But even then, like the one here is, is pretty great as well. Like it's <laughs> it's so stupid. <laughs> so so uh, uh, Ichiban, like he, on a part of the story, like this lady comes uh, asking for help. Uh, she needs, <laughs> she like she ends up coming to like where where uh, Ichiban and his party are in the story. It's like oh we're we're in this soap land. Uh, we're we're friends with the owner, but the fo- owner was just killed. And this lady comes unknowingly like oh like I've got an appointment with the owner. He's gonna help me with my business. And it's like uh, <laughs> I don't think he's gonna be able to help you. <laughs> uh, but the way it turns out is like oh Ichiban somehow gets <laughs> roped into helping. 
because the name of the company is also called Ichiban, <laughs> Ichiban Confectionaries. Uh, <laughs> and the side game, I guess, ends up being you building up this this uh, business that sells like uh, like these pastries, and then you end up building it to something huge. It's like, oh, and with the money from this pastry business, you can now buy other businesses. Uh, and then it ends up getting to the point where it's like you can now own six huge businesses, like a TV station and things like this. Uh, and that's where you make the most money out of the game. Like, you don't make a ton of money uh, playing the game uh, until you make progress in the in the management sim. Um, mm. But even then, it takes a little while to grind uh, money out of that. But, yeah, like, you, you meet... Like, she bec- like she becomes a member of your party. Uh, like, she's the only member that you, you don't unlock as part of the story. Like, you have to make some progress in the in the management sim to unlock her as an extra character um but it's worthwhile to do because she's actually really great and valuable in combat <laughs> even though she's just the desk clerk <laughs> mm. <laughs> and that's and that's another great thing about the game is that like there's this job system like you know there's a job system like like in, in so many other rpgs uh where you can change the jobs of all the different party members and they learn different abilities throughout you know leveling up those jobs and some of the job and most of the abilities are attached to those jobs specifically, um, but each job has two different abilities that you can unlock permanently to use with the, that character, no matter what job you pick for them. Hmm. So it's worthwhile to kind of you know mess around with the different jobs that you can unlock with each character. And yeah, like the funny thing is that like it's literally it's a literal job system. It's like you go to a, a job agency <laughs> in Yokohama and say, "Oh, I want to work as a foreman now." <laughs> so yeah, because I can now carry a big hammer around. Oh, he can change his job to be a host, for, like a host bar. So, like, he carries a bottle of champagne that he bashes people with. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it's, 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 really, it's really great. It's so fun and goofy. Uh, but it adds a lot of great depth to, to the game's uh, RPG mechanics. It's, man, just what a great, what a great video game. <laughs> yeah, Yakuza typically nails it out of the park yeah. with every entry. And... Once again, so glad you're on board with the Yakuza series. It, it, it took a few years, but it we did. got you on board. <laughs> I'm fully on board. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, once again, we did, we weren't <laughs> for sure in the knowledge of uh, if, if it was an update that allowed you to play on the PS5 or if it was its own PS5 game entry, but... Yeah, so if there's a if there's a sale between now and March, or I'll just buy it in March when it comes out finally. Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to this game. This will probably be one of my favorite games for a while. Ah, oh, man, it's just so good. Ichiban's got like personality stats that you can level up to, uh, and like a lot of those stats level up as you play the game just naturally. Like as you do the, the what do you call them? The, the kind of like the, the the completion challenges or whatever, like different things that you complete like unlock different part or upgrade parts of his personality <laughs> like oh, okay like intelligence charisma style uh <laughs> confidence <laughs> things like that um but the fastest way uh to to, to level them up is, is that he could go to a vocational school uh in yokohama and just take different tests <laughs> uh <laughs> like you could just go to school basically and take and get different certifications that unlock that'll give the biggest bonuses to his personality. And, <laughs> and it's funny as hell because like you, you go to this, these classes and take these tests and like <laughs> each one will pull out the results. Uh, like if you pass, like 
bunch of like 10 people in suits like come and like throw them up in the air like to celebrate like yay <laughs> like the end of a cheesy movie uh, <laughs> but if he fails like he's still proud of himself for taking the test but like only one person comes out and like kind of pats him on the, on the shoulders like you'll do better next time buddy <laughs> uh it's just really fun oh god damn i can't wait to play it uh every part of the game is so great <laughs> so my number one I've said a few times now, it's almost not fair. Because uh, <laughs> not taking anything away from uh, Joe's number one, but there's, eh, I'm pretty confident that it was going to beat uh, my number one. And uh, just because how it affected me on an emotional level. And this game, of course, is Final Fantasy VII Remake. Mm. Which uh, I, we've, uh, over the years on the show, we've discussed certain things. Like, uh, I've discussed how me and Sandra were in a movie theater. Remember going to those folks? <laughs> we're, we're in a movie theater to watch the Sony conference. And we were there in a, with a live crowd as we saw as that trailer from 2015 popped up. Where it announced that there was go- going to be a remake to Final Fantasy VII. <laughs> and me and... I'll never forget Sandra, you know... Us slowly but surely, as well as the audience, like the reaction in that theater room was like was incredible. But w- listening to it, like you sort where you see the green light is like, wait, is that the live stream? And you see like suddenly but surely, you see little things like Shinra or <laughs> uh, names of certain towns uh, from the game and in the subway and uh, you Sandra specifically yells out the Moogle slide and uh, you put two and two together. And then that triumphant moment where you see cloud sword and Barrett's gun arm as they're walking through the crowd. And uh, the narrator is doing a fantastic job of talking about a reunion that was years in the making. And we're crying. Like we're like, Oh my God, they're actually doing it. And then like a month later you see, we see gameplay or at least a trailer of gameplay and you're, it hits you. Holy shit. We're further along into this than I thought. And then five years go by. And to be frank, I was kind of expecting there to be a bit of a while. Cause that game, cause everything I saw there looks so good that, you know, I wanted them to take their time. And, this game, let me tell you, it comes out. It gets it gets delayed a few times, but it comes out, and there are fears. Like uh, a game we didn't really talk a lot about, but Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven came out. That wasn't great, and nope. that one had, <laughs> and that one had eight years to go work <laughs> off. Of. Yeah, I love how the excuse for Cyberpunk, by the way, is like, well, you know, like it runs worst on the old consoles. You know, it's like, yeah, but it came out. Like when it was announced, it should have been but it should have been working on those consoles. What it should have. And like, uh, I don't know if you saw any of the apology video that they released. Oh, the one where they simultaneously apologize but throw their own QA team under the bus. Yep, yep. It's like okay, that's not great. That's pretty shitty, actually. <laughs> yeah, and they even like kind of like uh, from what we saw, it seemed pretty well. Like. You did not play it on a PS4 or anything <laughs> that, dude. Like, <laughs> no way. You didn't see it at all. You fuck. <laughs> fucking hell. But that that's a testament to the fears. Like, this could have been so bad. This could have been a glitchy mess. And 
Not only did it come out and it was relatively fine. Yes, me and Joe rag on it for those textures in Midgar. <laughs> Which I still don't get because people played it on PS5 now and it's like, well, it's still there. So whatever, <laughs> whatever happened, no one has a rational explanation for. But the fact that that is like pretty much as bad as it got. Yep. Like, <laughs> That's about the only thing that I can knock the game for at all because <laughs> the rest of the game is, is incredible. incredible. Yes. <laughs> And like everything, like the demos out there, if you for some reason haven't played this game, there's so many cool things just in that demo. Mm -hmm. You like the way they remix that uh, incredible uh, bomber mission uh, music uh, to traversing through the subway, where if you actually take the time to look at the posters on the walls, especially... There's so many little nods to obvious ones, like there's Shinra company uh, commercials on the uh, posters about uh, about electricity and power to mankind, or uh, there's like a uh, poster for uh, dumb apple juice, which is <laughs> a reference to, to Crisis Core and the whole fucking stupidity with the dumb apples. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, uh, it's I wish you. I wish you could play that literally anywhere besides a PSP. <laughs> yes, yeah, I, I I still stand by that that that's, that's a fine game. No, but it's a anyway, great game, but it's it on is. PSP. Like it's not even available digitally to download on a Vita. <laughs> and the combat, which I was a little apprehensive about, just because hey, you know, I I played that game in '97 and uh, I was used to playing it a certain way. The what Joe would call the uh, Final Fantasy, you stand on one side, you guys stand on the other. Which, <laughs> for the record, a lot of games did, not just Final oh, Fantasy. Oh, yes, of course. But it's, just, it's, it's funny when you think about it. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, no, they went with the live action, and it played smoothly. And I, I dare say, I was worried that it would just be Kingdom Hearts, where you're just essentially mashing a button to just kill things. But no, there's actually a strategy. Cloud has stances that he has to cycle through, and there is a time and a place to use each one. And there is a time where you want to use uh, to basically guard, and there are enemies where it's really easier if you just parry them or e- even tag out. And to Barrett, who, you know, in the beginning is uh, very substantial in helping you against flying enemies or attacking people from a distance while Cloud is in there hanging and banging. And uh, just how they handled like these enemies, which really had no personality in hindsight looking at them. But now are these suddenly devastating enemies like the sweeper robots who like swarming around and with the machine guns and. And uh, whatnot. And the, the freaking, I forget what they're called, but the freaking Shinra enemies that are just bouncing all over the place now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, God. And let's talk about the characters. They fucking nail it. Yeah. They, everything, not only did they nail it, I would dare argue that characters are brought up to another level now. Yes, like, yes they are. Like Barrett went from just being a Mr. T ripoff to... Being a fucking badass and being yeah, freaking frightening. And, and, and being so great at like rallying his troops, you know? Like, you get why he's the leader of Avalanche. <laughs> yeah. And him and Cloud working off each other, they, they nailed that too. They freaking despised each other in the beginning of the game. And they hammer that home just with not only the cutscenes, but the banter between the two during gameplay. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> like little things like uh, the scorpion boss is strangling you and uh, Barrett and Barrett doesn't uh, doesn't help you. And Klaus like, where the fuck were you on that one? It's like, uh, thought you could eat shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and oh, they just nail it. And even like later in the game where they start to lighten up with each other and they start like. You can actually see the friendship growing throughout the entire game. Yeah. And, oh, my God. And just everything is just great. They nailed Cloud. And really, he's not... When you think of a hero, you don't really think of Cloud. Like, Cloud feels like he's trying to be that... that He's that D&D player trying to be the badass character, yeah. the loner. And it's just not quite clicking for some, for some <laughs> reason. And uh, hats off to them. I don't know how they did it, but they made every boss fight feel epic. Yeah. Not only like uh, like the whole Scorpion boss at the beginning. That That's an iconic fight just because it's the first one, honestly, right. in the Final Fantasy VII. But the orchestra, the crazy uh, attacks that this boss now has... The running all over the goddamn walls and firing missiles at you and you trying to deal with it and you guys working in conjunction with each other to try to overcome this uh, big freaking monstrosity. That is, and that is just the tip of the fucking iceberg. They freaking made a boss fight out of the hell house for Christ's sakes and it felt like one of the greatest <laughs> fights I've ever had felt in my life. Man, that was a tough one. It was. That's, that's the one thing... Uh, I guess one other thing I can knock it off a little bit. If you lose a boss fight and you realize that you just spent 30 minutes fighting that boss to get to that point, it can be a little deflating to know that you have to start over. Yeah. But at the same time, once again, those boss fights are epic, especially when you're up against the iconic characters like that freaking boss fight with Reno and rude on top of the tower. Oh man. Oh my God. You such an emotional roller coaster and the game does like such a great job of adding weight to things that didn't really have weight before yeah like the, this game like i mean to, to say it right like it's not the full story of final fantasy 7 it, it, no. it's only up until you leave midgar but that gives them the chance to expand on like the first few hours of the original game in such a huge way yeah like you blow up the reactor and you see the re you see the aftermath of that you've got people in the streets that are scared or crying like what, what, what do we do like one of the npcs is like i just opened a business here i'm i can't i need mako in order to power it i'm gonna go out of business like you you see children scared trying to find their parents because uh this hey this is a big fucking explosion that is a terrorist attack let's not beat around the bush <laughs> and uh it, it's it's like little nuances that bring that make everything feel more alive. And uh, I've talked a lot about music in a lot of these games. The music in Final Fantasy VII Remake is freaking next level. Like, yeah, the, what they've done with the, the original soundtrack is outrageously great. <laughs> like, uh, I, I brought up the tower level, which... Uh, I, I still one of my favorite levels uh, this year where it's like the music in itself tells the story. Uh, like you've got your, your, the character's theme 
theme, you're like the, you know, Tifa Cloud and Barrett's theme going, while it's also clashing against uh, the Turks theme, which is also clashing against uh, Shinra's theme, which is like a great little analogy of like these three forces fighting, fighting against each other. Turks doing the bidding of Shinra, but not really feeling it. <laughs> they they don't want to do this, but it's their job. Meanwhile, they're fighting against the heroes who for sure don't want them to do this. <laughs> <laughs> And everything and the aftermath of all of that. And um, that boss fight at the top is like pretty crazy. You're fighting Reno while Rude is flying a freaking helicopter <laughs> shooting, going on bombing runs against you. And then it, it devolves until he crashes down. And you have to fight both of them at the same time, which, by the way, one on one, bo- both are tough enough as it is without having to deal with both of them at the yeah. same time. It's crazy and you're really i'm reliving all these moments which despite the swerve which we'll get into in a moment you're still reliving them and but you're seeing them in a new light like everything with uh you know the cross-dressing moment with with cloud everything building up to that and why it has to come to that and how they (laughs) execute it is just fantastic yeah like it's so much better than the original version Like, this is a genuinely fun and heartfelt, even, <laughs> like, <laughs> rhythm game that they've turned it into. Oh, yeah. And the and the practice round doesn't... It's just a taste of what you get, have to get to see with Cloud oh, afterwards. Man. And going back to the characters, they, they bring every character to life. They show off why Tifa was my best girl for a <laughs> while. And uh, I'm still Team Tifa, but Eris is just uh she's she's wonderful god damn it yeah. she's <laughs> like i'm not someone who had the same reverence for final fantasy 7 uh that you did malcolm but like mm. playing this remake and like i did actually like fall in love with all these characters like i thought like not having that reverence like i i thought like the way people reacted to <laughs> Aaron's death uh, originally is like, ah, whatever, who cares? <laughs> but, <laughs> but you know, playing through this remake, it's like, it's like, oh man, I'm dreading when we get to that point because <laughs> like, mm-hmm. the, the way that they've built her up in in, in in this remake, it's like, oh man, like I'm, I like, I sure do hope we don't get to see that before the end of this <laughs> part of the remake because I don't look forward to it at all. Oh my god! And uh, there's so many little things like the story, like with these little side missions that they added in uh, two of the chapters. You get like sort of like a new uh, idea of Cloud and uh, his uh, his his camaraderie with uh, not only the two girls but the town that he's in, mm-hmm. and uh, I that I thoroughly enjoyed. And it leads to one of my favorite scenes, just because of how it spoke to me. There's like a little scene where cloud collects his money and avalanche effective or Barrett specifically effectively tells him to fuck off <laughs> and it's in a bar and they start doing like this, essentially this come by scene where they're just like celebrating their, their uh, victory while clouds excluded at the front of the bar. <laughs> and you're just see like, I took a screenshot of it and it was like, a, and I posted it on Facebook back when you can do that with the PS4. Uh, <laughs> but Everyone's celebrating, but Cloud is just thoroughly excluded, 
he's just looking forward while everyone is like shooting the shit and they're like, oh my God, I've never felt more connected to Cloud (laughs) than this point right here. Oh my God. And it's all there. It's like everything I loved about about Seven is there. And like I said, heightened. And multiple times during this game, I cried. Like, I was actually exerting actual tears <laughs> from my face on just the emotional level that this game made me. And yes, folks, that's even considering the swerve they throw you with uh, Sephiroth, where... Okay, major spoilers here, but, you know, I, I figured everyone knows it by now. But he knows. He knows he loses. <laughs> and is actively trying to figure out a way to not lose. And... Uh, you know, in hindsight, like uh, a lot of people, this upset a few people who really love that iconic intro of Sephiroth where he's just, you know, you he's sort of like Jaws. You you hear people talk about him, but you don't actually see him. <laughs> but at the same time, look, it's 20, it's 2020. People know who the fuck Sephiroth is. Like right. we have a friend who never played seven before in her life, but bought the remake because she kept hearing about how because she knows everything about Sephiroth. <laughs> So it's like you're not going to get that same emotion out of people. Like people know that Sephiroth's here and why he's dangerous. So they do a fantastic job. I felt of showing off exactly why why you need to be scared of this motherfucker because <laughs> not because he is like suddenly this mastermind who's like pretty much effectively leading your party into doing everything it does. And even when we get to the point where you do fight him. And you hear one of the best remixes of the Sethoroth theme I've ever heard it's in my so life. It's so fucking good. It's wonderful. But if you know, and I've made this point, like the songs in and of themselves tell little stories in this game and it's great. But it ne- like that Sephiroth theme, as great as it is, it's not the proper theme. In fact, it actually like it. There's certain points where it just feels like it's just hanging on a note here and there, thus mirroring Sephiroth not going all out against you. Like as powerful and as uh, as badly as Sethroff is beating you right now in that fight, he's not he's only at 10% at best. <laughs> and it, it's only until like a certain point where Sethroff's like, "Okay, let, let, let's let's crank it to 15 that we sort of get we finally get that chorus that everyone knows from <laughs> the song." And even then, 15% at best, folks. <laughs> and it it gave me like something I had always wanted from the first game, but never got, but you kept hearing about Sephiroth, the swordsman and how deadly he is and how powerful he is, but you really never see it. You face Sephiroth as this like one winged angel form or safer Sephiroth as it's actually called, which makes no sense, but whatever. (laughs) Uh, So you never get to see Sephiroth, the swordsman. You get to see Sephiroth, the swordsman in this game. And it's everything I could have hoped for. He is just like, beating you from like platform to platform and you and without the help of your friends cloud would have been done and even with his friends it's questionable that if sephiroth could have just taken him out but he doesn't because sephiroth knows he needs you around but you don't know why <laughs> and this game has so many at by the time you beat it there's so many questions still left joe and the th- fan theories I've listened to videos on this one are just great. And the little things that people point out, like there's a line where Sephiroth says se- seven seconds to the end. 
and someone brought up that seven seconds is the amount of time it takes Sephiroth to stab Aerith in that, in that <laughs> scene. Spoiler. And so people think, is that what he's talking about? And Or is it just a nod to Final Fantasy VII? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the emotion I felt seeing Zack, who is <laughs> hands down my favorite character of all of Final Fantasy, like... I could give you a, a big breakdown of why he is and he how he's essentially the Captain America for me of Final Fantasy VII. <laughs> and you see, like, everything going on with him, and I'm just going like, oh, great, I get to see this again. I'm going to be even more... I'm going to be crying so hard. And then you get back to him after going through everything. And instead, he looks around and like, oh, was that it? And I'm like, wait, he's alive. And I cry even harder, Joe, than I did if I <laughs> just much like, oh, my God, he lived. And once again, more questions. What does this all mean? As we realize that we're not playing a remake. We're playing a sequel, Joe. <laughs> it's all up in the air. It's anyone's ball game now. And Sandra is a little concerned. And you know what? It's a valid concern because... The concern is, this is going to turn to Kingdom Hearts. I mean, st- Nomura got a Nomura, right? It, it's the same dude, yes. It's <laughs> the same dude. And I don't know if you've heard the recent uh, recent story with, with Seven. Uh, what recent story is that? So uh, the recent story is uh, about copyrights that uh, Sony has filed for, and they're all Seven-related. One is for the Shinra Electric Corporation, which... Obviously, probably because they just want to make more shirts. <laughs> they also trademarked the, the title The First Soldier and Final Fantasy Ever Crisis, which uh, if you uh, follow the, uh, the like all the titles with uh, Final Fantasy uh, 7's compilation, it follows that scheme like Avent Children, AC, Before Crisis, BC, um, Crisis Core, CC... Dirge of Cerberus, DC, oh, <laughs> and now Ever oh. Crisis. Oh, oh no! <laughs> oh, they are good at Kingdom Hearts this shit, aren't they? <laughs> uh, but you know what? I think people and, and Lucky agrees with me here. Here, I think uh, that look, Square understands something. This they can't fuck this up. Like Nomura can Nomura with Kingdom Hearts. That that. That franchise is in in the toilet as far as making sense. They can't do this to seven. Uh, there's still hope for seven, and um, considering how hard they knocked it out of the park with this one, they get the benefit of the doubt from me. Will they do a spinoff? Maybe. Or I, I was thinking like uh, so. The next major part that they could do from here, like. Uh, after this part of the game in seven, what that's when we have one of the other iconic moments of the game. That's where everyone goes to a Junin and uh, a town called Junin outside of Midgar, and where Cloud basically tells the story of uh, how he, Sephiroth, went to Nibelheim and without giving too much away, his version of the tale of events over there. Mm. Why am I saying uh, spoiler? The game is like almost 40 years old. But, Jesus <laughs> 40. but uh, you could 
you could possibly squeeze the story of Zack in there as well. Like, instead of him starting right from Nibelheim, him going like, well, I should probably tell you about my master and the guy who taught me how to be a soldier. And that can lead into that whole thing there for... This is just spitballing here, but that section in of itself could be a sizable, at least a very sizable chunk of the game. But the emotions I went through, like, I've, I remember beating the game and I, I felt like calling out of work just because I was so, like, <laughs> I, I was just spent, like, I needed to, like, lay down for a bit to just absorb everything that happened. And you know what? Hats off to them because, you know, at Square, they let's be frank, they fucked up quite a few times over the years <laughs> and they they needed the win here. They act. They, this is one of the most beloved franchises in their history, if not the history of video games. Yeah. And, and the sheer impossibility of the standards set by people, um, you know, since the PS3 tech demo, when they fucking put that out, that was probably... <laughs> <laughs> that might have been a mistake, uh, but they they turned it on its head and were like, yeah, actually, let's do this and let's do it up fucking right. Mm. And uh, yeah, and you know what? I'm really happy they didn't release anything because let's be frank, it wouldn't look like this. Textures <laughs> in Midgard, be damned. But <laughs> but instead, they're like, okay, we have an endpoint. I, I honestly do think like they're like, okay, we have an endpoint. Let's uh, experiment with some upcoming titles. Like, honestly, I've said it before in our review for the game. You can look at uh, Play 7 Remake and be like, okay, they learned this from 15. They learned this from Kingdom Hearts, actually. They learned this from 13, for Christ's sakes. Like, there are little bits they've learned over the course of the years that all went. They took the good stuff. And, yeah, I guess there are some good stuff in 13. You're but they took, right some, <laughs> they took some good stuff. And they put it in, and they put the culmination of all of it into this game, and it's such a freaking home run. And it's one of the reasons why not only that I have given the benefit of the doubt, but I'm actually looking forward to 16. Like, <laughs> uh, which just a reminder, 15 was a game of the year winner as well. Yeah. So, and that it that even then we admitted that that game had problems. <laughs> of course, I mean. <laughs> oh God, but. Like, just from, like, I've said it before, like, Joe could, like, I could play Final, I could play Yakuza, which I will play Yakuza in March, and I could beat it and come back to Joe and, like, yeah, objectively, it was better than 7. But I'll be impressed if it does, but I doubt it's going to make me feel as emotional, as happy, (laughs) or as relieved and tug on so many of my heartstrings that Seven did. Oh, man. Oh, let me tell you, though. It does get pretty, pretty good <laughs> towards the end. <laughs> There's some story beats that where you're like, oh, fuck yes. <laughs> hey, Yakuza is a hell of a franchise, yes, folks. That's not disputed. But Seven, Seven was like the game that made me an RPG guy. Seven, like I had Final Fantasy posters up on my walls when I was, li- when I was in high school like it was my jam and I was really prepared for it this game to break my heart and it didn't and if I can be happy about one thing in 2020 and trust me I can count on one hand but if I can be happy about one thing in 2020 yeah it's that 
they stuck the landing on this game and I'm very, very interested on where it goes from here. So hands down, hands <laughs> fucking down. This is my game. Of the year. It's a tremendous game. Absolutely worthy uh, of your top spot there. Malcolm. Uh, I, I will say that for me, the only thing that kept it out of my top five, uh, despite being this, the this, textures, <laughs> yep, just the textures. I can't, <laughs> can't get over it. No, <laughs> uh, the, the, the biggest knock for me is that it's technically, you know, not complete. You know, like I finished the game and it's like, man, that was awesome. Fuck, when do we get the fucking rest of it? <laughs> it's gonna be years. Uh, it's good. It's gonna be years. And um, I'm fine with it. You know, it's like, <laughs> I, I do hope they figure out a way to release. Like, granted, I'm sure COVID is once again affecting it. Like, oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Like, which is like, yeah, you know, I know people hate hearing hearing that, but it's a fucking pandemic, folks. Like, it's <laughs> it's slowed down a lot of shit. Yeah, it's the but, reality of the situation. Yeah. But I do hope they are able to get it out in an orderly fashion. I really hope it doesn't turn into Kingdom Hearts in that it takes for fucking ever for yeah. the sequels to come out. Like, I think we've made jokes on, like, uh, like uh, how many things have happened between Kingdom Hearts 2 and 3. Like, <laughs> literally the MCU, all of it. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, yes, and uh, that's what worries me about what you brought up earlier with that news. Is like, oh, fuck, are we going to get these stupid side games in between before we get an actual proper <laughs> resolution to the main remake. Yeah. Another thing I'll accept if it's DLC for final fantasy seven remake. I'm not so sure. Cause I mean, by the time <laughs> they're ready to come out with more of it, like we're going to be pretty in the thick of the PS five generation. Hmm. That's true. That's true. Hey, maybe they'll do like a remaster and all there is to the remaster. <laughs> final fantasy seven remake colon remaster <laughs> and the picture is just a cloud at the counter of that one shop in midgar <laughs> <laughs> oh man you can't remaster a remake can you <laughs> like you're playing the remaster like wow there's significantly less scenes where cloud and Aerith are traversing across a one <laughs> plank of wood <laughs> oh, man. hey that's one way to do a loading screen <laughs> <laughs> oh my god but yeah, I was curious because you seem to make not as probably okay, not as much as I did. Would it be in like the top ten for you at least? No, absolutely. Like it is the only reason I didn't mention it in the honorable mentions is that it one I knew this was, we'd be talking about it right here, uh, <laughs> but two, like it is the most honorable of my mentions. Like it would be like if I were to expand this list to a top ten, like it would be number six probably. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, this, for me, this is a game that I'm. Like Joe uh, mentions that I think it was like Super Mario World. You play it like every year and uh, whatnot. Like this will probably be one for me. Like nice. I'm still chasing the platinum for it just because I get distracted easily. But I've I've been working my way through hard mode, which is like <laughs> the the hard part. But <laughs> yeah, I heard that it gets pretty brutal once you go to hard mode. Oh yeah, like. Uh, you essentially you start off with a full magic bar. You can't use items. You can't use the bench. Well, you can use the bench, but it doesn't refill your health. Or your uh, excuse me, doesn't refute refill your magic points. Oh, so <laughs> so that sounds like something I will never tr even attempt. <laughs> <laughs> so it it takes it takes a lot of patience and working around stuff like uh, 
rem- like remember materia by the way we didn't even talk about the materia and how they used that i thought they did a phenomenal yeah. job the combat system like the way you can combo between uh different party members um and yeah like the whole just how dynamic it is like how active the battle is it's so good <laughs> it's so good yeah and i'm i'm hoping for like five years max as far as like between entries, proper entries. God, I sure hope so. I was like, because you know, if if it takes five years to give me this, then five years. That's what you got. Yes, <laughs> yes, that's that's fine. But I hope also at that point that that is the complete story, and we don't have to wait another five years to finish it off. Keep in mind that's with them getting rid of Cyber Connect midway through and starting over from scratch. Yeah, so. yeah. Oh man. <laughs> Oh, God. I mean, they've got a really good framework to work with. Hopefully, they don't have to do something as drastic as all that uh, to get the next part out the door. Yeah, definitely. I'm really curious to see where it goes, especially with the power of the PS5, Yeah, which I think will be pretty good. Mm -hmm. Uh, All right, buddy. Do you have anything else to add? Not necessarily. Man, that's a a great game. It Uh, is. I'll probably replay it at some point as well. I could talk about it forever without, but it would involve going heavily into spoilers just because <laughs> a lot of the little details, folks, I, I really love about that game. Everything they do with every character like brings them up to a new level, brings a story up to a new level, and brings it up to a point where you don't know where it's going to go, which is exciting. I think we're still going to get those moments that you remember from the previous game. They're just going to be done a little differently, and I'm very positive on how it's going to go. <laughs> Until we get to the sixth year. Folks. <laughs> <laughs> All right. With that, folks, that's been our game of the year. Your conversation for 2020. Let us know what you think. Mailbag at the We'd love to hear from people. Anybody. Yes, tell us what your games of the year were. Yes. If, if you're in Vietnam or another country, hey, Google translates a thing. We'll translate that <laughs> shit. Don't you worry. <laughs> folks, this has been the firmware up, update episode Oh, 224. Thank you so much for joining for our Game of the Year conversation. If you like what you hear, you can find us on the web, of course, at the firm at www.thefirmup.com. Or you can even easier, find us on iTunes, find us on Stitcher Radio, find us on Google Play. Heck, I believe we're actually on Amazon Music now too. So give us a listen there. Uh, you also five star written reviews really helps us out on iTunes. We appreciate you if you're able to give that to us here and heck email us that we'll read on the show if need be too. Um, you can also find us on Twitter at the firm up for the show at PS Malk for me and at one twenty three for Joe and Joe. What am I forgetting? Uh, nothing. seems like we wrapped it up with a neat robo. Indeed folks. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you next time. Hasta luego.